My God. It's been too long, friends. It's been too long since I saw that beautiful intro. Um, always incredible. Always incredible stuff. Lots happened since the last time we were together. WrestleMania dreams have come and gone. The late Night Grid has almost died, come back to life, died, maybe alive, don't know yet. So much has happened. But the Green Grappler rides again. Rowdy Roddy Piper is our subject. I'm excited for this one. Lots to talk about tonight. One of the great, you know, kind of iconic characters in wrestling history and uh, one that personally I was less familiar with than a lot of the the, the folks we've talked about. There he is, the big man in, in action figure form. Shelf. Yeah, the, the WrestleMania 8 edition Roddy Piper. Yeah. The, man, that right is up, an incredible figure. That's right the Mania shelf there. Yeah. We're certainly going to talk WrestleMania 8 today. Folks, much again to expert panel as always. The great Bobby Two Shoes alongside me here. Bobby, how are you, mate? I'm doing well, man. You know, I say it every month, but really enjoyed watching all these matches. Excited to get into it. Um, I honestly probably enjoyed these more than most of them that we've done, and that's nothing against the other ones that we've done. I just, you know, something about these six matches were just all really good to me. Well, I think, you know, we're going to get into this. Roddy is a unique candidate because I think by his own admission, he was never a, you know, uh, a wizard of the mat necessarily right and yeah. so what you get is even his greatest hits are not necessarily going to be 40 minute epics right and you kind of get that here as well as we'll get into so and i'm not surprised definitely it was a fun watch the oracle of wrestling how are you my friend i'm great <coughs> Good. i'm eating Good. uh i'm eating glizzies over here <laughs> mm-hmm. internet dunk and glizzies <laughs> God, what a freeze frame. Incredible. He looks happy though, right? Looks like one of those TW oh, yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here he is. Yes. You're yes, you're eating. Yes, Carol. I, I, I think it's just like when I speak, it doesn't want me to speak, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like where are the hot dogs from? Cookout? Um so my work uh did a uh did a cookout today. Hell yeah. I had some burgers for lunch, and I took some hot dogs home. My God, living the good life, brother. <laughs> so you're good, is the answer. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Alex, you know what, mate? <laughs> uh, I don't have a hot dog, but yeah, I'm doing all right. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize Devin took his first indie booking. You know, got the hot dogs <laughs> and the handshakes, but uh, I'm doing well since we last <laughs> met. A lot has happened in our respective worlds. Uh, dreams have come and died in front of my very eyes. Uh, no, I I look forward to this so much. So I'm I'm glad to be back. And uh, yeah, Piper is a, an interesting candidate. I got really excited when we landed on him for this one. And I think there's a lot of um, fun to be had in discussion here today. But as always, just good to be back with y'all and our adoring audience. Absolutely, and it's worth noting, folks. You know, a lot has changed here in the uh, a Grin headquarters. We'll say. But one thing that the Oracle and I were pretty consistent on from the outset when Oracle kind of adjusted us accordingly and said, you know, let's, let's keep it alive in some form or fashion. Oracle and I were very quick to say the grappler needs to go on. You know, the grappler's a, a monthly thing. Um, it's a chance for us to do a three-hour post-show of Alex. <laughs> so we, we need, you know, no, but seriously, I mean, we all love doing this show and it's something that we can kind of easily sustain with the with the output we have. And honestly, in fear of patting ourselves in the back, I think it's a pretty nice little kind of uh, nod to wrestling history's great characters, right? We've covered so many different wrestlers, so different promotions, and and it's been a hell of a ride, and it will not end tonight. At the end of this show, we will uh, pick next month's wrestler. And But for now, let's, let's talk Roddy Piper. This stars we always do. 
And this is going to be really interesting this week in terms of well, this month, I should say. You know, usually we start with like our fandom for the wrestler, right, in question and, and how we kind of became a fan, when we became a fan, so on and so forth. This one is interesting because, like, I know, I don't know about, you know, where um, Oracle and I have talked about a little bit. And Alex, I, I sense I, I know where you're going to go here. But for Bobby and I, in fear of talking for my, my friend Bob, I don't know if there is too much richness to that fandom. Bob, you kick us off, because I've got to say, Roddy's someone who I've only really grown to appreciate in the last couple of years. What about you, Bob? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, he came back when I started watching. He was on SmackDown for, like, the first half of 2003, and that kind of was what it was. And, you know, he'd he'd pop up kind of throughout the 2000s, uh, you know. But, like, as far as, like, getting really into him, no, I knew kind of the big stuff. Like, they showed the, you know, hitting Snooker with the coconut all the time. They showed that Morton Downey thing all the time. But, like, as far as matches go, no, like, none of them were ever really – kind of talked about or featured and uh it's not until yeah a couple of years ago you know you were able to see all the wrestlemanias kind of get into more wcw stuff some older stuff which we'll get into and uh yeah so it kind of evolved from there so yeah i was kind of first aware of him when he came back for smackdown um mm. in 2003 but yeah that obviously is a just much different version of him he's definitely a guy also that you need to see for yourself in terms of appreciating how big a star he was yes um he is not forgotten by any means. He's definitely, you know, cited as one of the industry's great iconic figures. But I do think he's but maybe not given quite the credit he deserves in terms of just how, like, big a star he was. Um, he's listed as one of the names rather than being, you know, on that, that top, top tier, I think, at times. I don't think that's necessarily fair. Oracle, we've talked about Roddy mostly in the kind of historical Oracle chapter of his career when he's more of a personality who would attempt to wrestle on occasion um your fandom for roddy piper mate talk us through it uh yeah so uh you know he was he was always you know just one of those he was one of those five names you know uh he he deserves to be in there with like hogan flair and 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 savage Mm -hmm. and and uh like austin and rock that are like okay you know who he is, and most people outside of wrestling fandom know who he is. Um, and uh, just a, um, I, I've always found him to be entertaining, even when I was a kid when I would see him. Um, just you know, just because he was so charismatic. Uh, I didn't really begin to appreciate his work in the ring and whatnot until, I guess, my teenage years, college, when I started to watch older stuff, mm-hmm. 80s WWF for a while, uh, saw late 70s, early 80s Portland where he is amazing um, and a bona fide like, megastar there. Um, and uh, yeah, he's just, uh, he's one of those larger than life guys in wrestling um, from, from the golden age uh, of uh, the 80s and 90s. One of those, you know, one of those six or seven names that that pretty much everybody knows, even if you know, even if they don't watch wrestling. And um, he's honestly one of my all-time favorites. I wouldn't, you know, rank him like super high on like a in-ring, you know, nerd mm-hmm. list or whatever. But in just terms of enjoyment, I I get I get a lot of enjoyment from him. Even his, I mean, his later promos are completely ridiculous. Some are like awesome, and then some are just like terribly stupid and offensive but like he's i don't know he's he's just 
he makes you believe it, you know? Yeah. Um, he's like, uh, <clears throat> I don't remember who said this on Twitter. Someone said it. It might have even been Alex, but I can't remember. But his performance in the 92 Rumble, like, there was one guy in the – or somebody's in the front where there was, like, okay, you know, like all these other wrestlers, but, hot, you know, Hot Rod was real. Roddy Piper was real. Like, mm-hmm. someone said this years ago on Twitter, and someone was like, Roddy Piper's real. And that and that guy in that front row was like – he was reacting like Roddy Piper was real, you know? Yeah. He was He was just one of those guys that, 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 that made you uh, – that, you know, kind of gives you that uh, – authenticity that that so many others just just can't give you even if they're really good in other ways yeah definitely a a singular personality alex where's your uh where does your fandom start for roddy where does it kind of escalate so on and so forth mate? um so went through phases with piper but like i guess like a thing about me as a wrestling fan that um probably sounds weird to a lot of people is the classic intercontinental title when they you know whenever twitter or whoever does like the who do you associate this with roddy piper always comes to mind for me because like my first vivid memory of watching a wrestlemania was wrestlemania 8 and that time around that time is like when i have my first vivid memories of watching wrestling and piper had the intercontinental title so he's the first person i remember holding that belt he had it for fucking two months but like that's (laughs) And it's the only belt he ever won in the WWE. Uh, and right, they didn't do some weird shit. Well, like I think he won the tag belt with Flair in like 2007. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, which to be fair, Alex, I think you know me well enough to know I didn't like saying that, but Bob was about to do it and I could not, <laughs> you know, it's my fault. But carry on. <laughs> well, but yeah, and like Piper's just, uh, he's one of the guys that, um, like my parents, friends, and like adults, when I said I liked wrestling as a kid, would say, "Oh, Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snuka," you know, like, mm-hmm. or if you know the older ones, would, ah, Bruno. But uh, <laughs> it's um, he was one of those guys that had that level of popularity, and I remember, I just you know that '92 clean shaven with the golden locks, you know, the They Live Piper. That's to me, that's one of the all-time wrestling aesthetics, and I bet you know we're going to end with WrestleMania eight. But him walking out with that belt and that kilt, like that's I always just that's like a wrestler, like his Hasbro gear basically is like what I think mm-hmm. uh, like a wrestler from that era is. And then um, he was referenced on The Simpsons, so that gave him a lot of like cred when I was a kid. Like even before the the Roddy, when they call groundskeeper Willie Roddy Rowdy Peeper, that's uh, several seasons before Bret Hart. So, um, getting on here, obviously, big horror fan. He's uh, the star of a fucking John Carpenter movie. So, like, with the exception of The Rock, you could argue that's like the highest level of fame yeah. a wrestler has attained in an acting role. Um, and, you know, when I went through, like, when I was in college and I was in my super, like, you know, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, super work rate, I always was like, Piper's one of those guys, man, that he just what he, you know, he wasn't that good. And then, you know, you kind of grow out of that and you know, realize more or less what makes a good wrestler. And he's someone now that like um uh a friend of mine recommended me some of his Portland shit to watch a few years ago. And that was like seeing a new color for the first time, like watching that. It was like, oh my God. And so he's someone that I've watched his catalog 
like at three different points in my life and interpret the interpreted them three different ways. So mm-hmm. it's it's uh, he's always an interesting name to visit, and he's a he's one of the biggest names yeah. ever in the industry. He was mm-hmm. a draw. And, uh, and Devin, were you referencing weird promos? His Starcade '96 one where he talks about. Well, using Roseanne Barr's bra as a yarmulke. That's one of the most unhinged promos I've ever seen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's plenty of them. Um, as I'm, uh, as I'm watching the build of Slambury 97 now, there's, there's plenty of, uh, you know, classic Roddy, you know, I, Roddy. I, that's another thing as a, a kid. I remember his WF run and then, when he showed up in WCW, I, I watched Halloween Havoc '96, and I, I can remember even like as a nine, eight, ten year old, whoever I was, like, "What is he talking about? <laughs> Just like, <laughs> what is this guy going on about?" And still watching it now, same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's quite the deal. Uh, it's a great moment when he like emerges, and then as soon as he starts talking, it quickly falls off the off the rails, unfortunately. But that's you know, there's a lot of to me anyway. An Oracle of us, you know, kind of broadly on historical Oracle, but. There is a charm to to Roddy's WCW run, but there is an awful lot of them in the bell rang, unfortunately. Um, there's some fun ones with Flair, but maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later. Nonetheless, let's get rolling here. Before we do, shout out to Joe, who has uh, resubscribed and was for 11 whole months now and says, uh, woo, wrong show, pal. Um, no, <laughs> thanks, Joe. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, let's get into it. Act one which is just kind of broadly pre-WWF, right? And it is worth noting that we're picking up pretty late into that part of Roddy's journey. Um, when would you guys, I'm not as familiar on the Portland stuff, only seen clips. When would you guys say that Roddy became like a real player in wrestling in general? Because we're in the 70s at that point, right? When, when would you guys say, is there a, a sort of year you could throw out just to get some perspective on the on the length of his career? Probably 78 or 79. Okay. Um, the like right around the time that Buddy Rose and Sam, like the feud with Buddy Rose, San Francisco and Portland kicks in. Um, did he team with Dynamite in. Kid in Portland? I feel like they did some shit together in Portland, right? Um, yeah, there was a <clears throat> I can't remember. I think there was, if I'm not mistaken, there was a Roddy and Rick Martel tag versus. Uh, Buddy Rose and Ed Boskowski that is amazing in 1980. Um, that's like an all-time great match from the 80s and like probably like it's honestly one of the 20 best like art, well I'm not 20 but it's like one of the <laughs> it's one of the I always you know embellish you know that's, that's you know <laughs> but it's one of the like must-see Portland matches. Um, um, Ed for for those who don't know Ed Boskowski was uh, Colonel De Beers in AWA but um, <clears throat> so Dynamite had a feud with Buddy Rose, but Piper, I think, might have been in some tags and six mans with him during that period. Okay. Go, yeah. So, because we pick up. Yeah, here, that sounds about right. We pick up here in July 82. And, you know, I, I wanted to kind of give some perspective on, on the stuff that comes before this. Um, we start with an all time piece of business. That I had like heard about but never actually watched until now. Um, the July 10th, 1982 edition of Mid Atlantic TV. Um, Roddy is opposite Jack Briscoe here, has stolen his belt. He's demanding $10,000 to, to wrestle him for the belt that he has stolen. Um, Roddy is 
he refuses the notion that this is $10,000 and seems almost mad that when he is actually forced in a situation with <laughs> like he almost seems stunned at the situation he's got himself into. It's incredible. This is like an opening block of TV. They go to the break, they come back with a straight up promo, and then they go to the match. And this is genuinely was compelling enough that I was like, fuck man, maybe I need to binge some of this stuff, you know? Maybe I need to watch more of this. This was that good. Um and this match is fascinating in terms of its its structure and layout. So much to get into here. Jack Briscoe, Roddy Piper, our first match, kicking off Act One. Bobby, what did you make of it, mate? Um, the entire pre-match to set it up is awesome with uh, you know Wahoo and Steamboat. I love that part. Um, at first, I'm like, you know, this is just going to be kind of slow, and it was. But then it just it clicked for me. Like you know, they did that kind of headlock spot that just stayed on for like three minutes. I'm like, hey, this rules, and. Uh, you know, they just, they did a lot with uh, what they had here. And I think the finish is cool. You've never seen anyone use a roll of quarters uh, that I can remember. And uh, yeah, I liked it a whole lot, man. I thought it was awesome. And I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. We definitely need to bring back the roller quarters for Bobby. We need to be seeing that on Raw. If, if, Bob, if that was a new one for you, Bobby, we need to bring it back, bro. We need Hell to. Yeah. Um, the headlock spot is incredible here. And especially so because there's a whole lot of mirroring going on throughout this match, right? There's like, like you know, Briscoe has the headlock and Piper back suplexes free. They brawl some, and then Piper grabs the sleeper hold and, and Briscoe back suplexes himself free. And they kind of go back and forth in this fashion. But throughout, they're a complete contrast because Briscoe is wrestling within the rules and Roddy is being Roddy. He's gouging, he's pulling up the hair, he's doing this, he's grabbing the tights, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, fascinating match. Oracle. I assume you'd seen this before, um, but regardless, what did you, what did you make of it, mate? Um, I actually have it. You know, I haven't seen much of uh, Mid Atlantic, like mm-hmm. before '85, other than Starcade '83. So I, that's actually kind of a blind spot for me. Um. <laughs> anyways, uh, um, Bullet Club Gold. But, <laughs> but uh. I, I, I'm I'm familiar with the angle. Uh, I've never I've never seen the match before um, until until now. The match was amazing, man. Like yeah. all the amateur stuff and like just the way that they were just like struggling and like showing like so much intensity within the holds. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. That that shit rules. Uh, so gritty, right? It yeah, had such a yeah. It's, it's so it's so believable too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's uh, always feels like a fight with Roddy, uh, which we'll talk about a lot with him. Yes. You know, you know, feels so, um, feels so personal, you know, with his yeah. with his matches. And um, yeah, this was awesome. They were just like getting down there on the mat, and like <clears throat> the whole headlock spot was incredible because they did it for like three or four minutes, but. <laughs> You know, just finding ways for you know Jack to keep it on, and it was just I don't know, it's good stuff. And then they did a whole thing around you know around the sleeper, and yeah, Piper was just finding ways to get out and rip the hair and spit and claw and scratch like he always does. And and uh, of course the finish is awesome, and is you know I told you I'd do it, you know Roddy's mm-hmm. classic promo after after the match. But uh, yeah, man, this was this was great shit. Like I, I I'd never seen this before. But this was, you know, this this definitely delivered. This was excellent. How great was Roddy's sell of that sleeper when he was doing like the convulsing? 
That's, we we see it to this day. That's so hard to do in a way that doesn't completely kill the, especially for what they were going for here, because this was very much gritty and grounded and felt authentic. Very hard to do what he did here and not kill that vibe. And he did it, man. I mean, this this thing was, this had a really striking feel. Alex, what did you make of this one, mate? Yeah, agreed with everything that's been said thus far. Um, I think it was the network dub of this I watched. I found it on YouTube, the whole show. But the, I know it wasn't the original theme, but they they have the rights to that Jim Crockett. Yes. And dude, that's, yeah. that, that's a banger right there. Uh, th- these are the things I take notes on, guys. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, the pre-match is great. I love, 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 love when baby faces band together to see the heel get his comeuppance. And, you know, fucking Wahoo's fat ass and Ricky Steamboat looking like a porn star walk out. And they're like, we'll, we'll put our money down just to see this happen. And it's so good how Piper counts it. And everyone plays their part so well because he's like, you think I'm stupid? And then David Crockett has that look of like, oh, fuck, he figured it out. He can count. And it's just, it's excellent. And I think the reasoning is... um Oh, what does Wahoo say? He's like, you caught him on a short week with it's Sunday at the bank or something. He said he comes up with some ridiculous excuse. It's wonderful. But yeah, this match, you know, we talked about Jack Briscoe and like man's man wrestling when we did our Antonio Noki episode. And, you know, we talk about a lot and, uh, you know, Joe and you and I specifically about like what would this would look like if it was real? And, yeah. you know, that's obviously there's so many ways pro wrestling is real to be interpreted. And if it was real, it would probably look like a, you know, a Lufez 75 minute match. But like here it has the feeling of, you know, a prize fight you're watching that like tensions are starting to run hot and like fouls are coming at any second. Like when they break them up at the ropes and they're like, you know, huffing and puffing at yeah. each other. And it's, it's wonderful. And yeah, the, the headlocks tremendous and it's, that basic you know just thought process of why would i let go of this if it's working so well you mm-hmm. know why would i get pushed off easily if this was working so well um piper though um takes a walk on king's road at one point with these chops he's laying in man he's he's weird. opening up on jack briscoe and you know as we talked about, Jack Jack was a two-packs-a-day guy, so he was probably like, all right, take it easy on the chest, young man. Um, Bob Cottle on the call, so, like, it's the juxtaposition of the intensity of the ring with Bob Cottle. <laughs> it's a, it's a well, lovely it day. Well, like Ronnie here. Is, uh... <laughs> there's, there's money all over the ring. Money, money all over the ring. That okay. was tremendous. But yeah, it's and then uh, afterwards, I stuck around for a little bit when he interviews King Parsons. Like, we just saw a whale of a match. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> King Parsons, like those two guys, got down. Man, it's it was excellent. But uh, where did Piper get busted open? I, I rewound it. No, I, I did. Rewound it two times, I and I couldn't figure, figure out where it happened. I guess the headlock was just so vicious. And... I guess, yeah, it opened up a wound. I don't know, man. He was well, at guys, one point, like, he was just pouring blood. I was like, what? That's. Back in those days when those guys were blading three days a week, I remember New Jack got busted open in a promo because he was yelling so loud one time. But, you know, it's <laughs> so I guess that could just be it. He had a fresh gig mark and he was wrenching it in. But the roll of coins, I remember Tully Blanchard did that once. And yeah. I think Steve Carino did it in a match one time. But aside from that, and I guess fucking Juice Robinson, but it's like, why don't more people do that? It's it's visually fantastic. Like when you mm-hmm. have like the roll of coins mm-hmm. explode, it's 
I don't know. I guess the it's too soon with the Jacques Rougeau dynamite kid thing. And the, I don't know. <laughs> if that was the reason, that would be so awesome. Like the, the idea of like Jason Jordan telling him they can't do it, man. Fucking Jacques can't do it. <laughs> That's like because you know Vince still has the most random weird rules, and so like yeah. that'd be it. Like to me, when we say that out loud, knowing how weird that company is, it doesn't seem without the outside of the realm of possibility. But you know, fantastic match. Yeah, I'm glad you called out the chops because there's this great moment in the match where after he finally gets out of the headlock, it's almost like you can see Roddy make the decision of like, absolutely not risking this dude's match anymore. <laughs> like I'm now going to brawl. This is enough with that. You know, that went as, about as poorly as I, I should have expected. Um, man, this is. It's very hard to talk about a match like this without becoming like a cliche machine. And I don't want to do the thing of they made everything count and they slept. But, man, there are some lessons to be learned here, you know? And it's like you mentioned earlier, Alex, kind of you have that point in your fandom where you you like you go the whole way around. So it's like you get into kind of the, the moves and you're like, oh, maybe Roddy Piper sucked. And then when you've actually watched enough wrestling, you figure out how it works, you realize that the move's like the least important part. And again, folks, I know that sounds like fucking Disco Inferno talk, but like, it's true to a extent, right? I mean, like, when you see how much juice they get out of like four different things here, that's that's wrestling, man. It doesn't mean that more moves aren't wrestling. It doesn't mean that's not, you know, real professional wrestling. It just means that the connection is what matters. And in this 20 minutes, they tell you a story that's so compelling that you're sitting there watching this headlock completely gripped by it. You know, it's like they use like four ingredients for this thing. It works perfectly. It's just, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, that is genuinely like, it's just so compelling. Go ahead, Alex. No, yeah. One, Ben called out. I, there, it was like on the tip of my tongue. I couldn't figure it out. That was it. Uh, Bachwinkle Henning is the roll of quarters. And, um, you know, that's what you're explaining and what I agree with to a certain extent. I'm, you know, I'm not going to get mad about it for real, yeah, but like, like that's, the, that's the Cow Palace, right? In um, yeah. 87. Yeah, when he when Hennig turns, right? Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry, Alex. I, I just I was... hey, good you're good, man. This is this is what we do here. But like that's exactly why that generation of guys saw like fucking Sabu or whoever and was like, What the fuck is this? Yeah. And because it's like you guys are really hurting yourself and doing way too much when really all you need to do is this, and I still maintain the most main the most recent main event of WrestleMania both nights. You can just say it's still this. Like you just have to like, yeah, just work it that simply. Obviously, now people come to expect sprinkling a little ricochet on the card or whatever. But this is um, a, a tried and true example of like where those sentiments come from from wrestlers and you know bitter old fans. It's just like you can watch this, and this is what almost forty years old or is forty years old. Over forty now, yeah, yeah, and and all four of us are just like. Fine piece of business. Wonderful match. <laughs> yeah, I think the actual lesson in this particular episode is the true secret, you know, recipe, the true hidden gem to all of it is getting over, man. That's yeah. the, like, once you get over, you can do, man, in every one of these matches, Roddy does that fucking thing where he puts his hand behind his head and throws jabs. They pop and, every time, man. Yeah. <laughs> And boy, do his working punches range range from god tier to any one of us could do them. <laughs> in the Brett match, there's like a 15 second clip where he does exact he does that exact range just in those 15 seconds, you know. And it's like, and the point I'm making is, 
if you get over the way that he got over, you could your work can be as loose as. I mean, this match is not an example of that, but we're going to get into some of this stuff. Is not exactly you know, not exactly Flair Steamboat. It's pretty, it's pretty lightly. It's like you get over, and you could do some, you could do some incredible things with very, very little, uh, which we'll get into as we go here. But this match is extraordinary, absolutely. To put a pin on that, and that yes. goes beyond the level of Roddy Piper. Like mm. a great example, fucking Sandman. Sandman could show up anywhere and do his shit and. It was awful, but people liked it because he was over. You get over, you're over, you stay over, you can show up anywhere and do the same shit and people will cheer for you. Absolutely. It's- well, look at, you know, look at Dusty Rhodes. Now, I mean, you know, Dusty yeah. was actually a pretty good worker, but still, I mean, Dusty go over there and, you know, did yeah. the damn. But it's That's one the of the whole, reasons like, yeah. wrestling's so interesting, right? It's yeah. like no match starts from the same point. They all have different, it's, they're different every match is different based on the, the investment in each guy, you know? It troubles me that there's a generation after me because I don't like feeling old. But that's the whole like thing that people don't like younger fans when they say Sid sucked. He only did the same thing in every match. It's like that's because it's all he had to do because everywhere he went, people went nuts for him. He was fucking Sid. And uh, I guess that's. Yeah, because that you know the narratives that WWE perpetuate about learning how to change and adapt, and like you could say Piper had different looks. You know, to bring it back to what we're talking about, he came out with different looks from time to time, and would kind of he wouldn't even really adjust it. He just always did his same like nah, promos, but like <laughs> it's just about knowing what the crowd wants from you and doling that out slowly to a point of crescendo. It's also it's just him to suck. Like he's the only person who can be this particular person, right? Like he's he's yeah. one of one in that regard. Same with Dusty. Like <laughs> one thing we think of, and and we'll talk about it. You know, we, we'll we'll see it in the later matches. Is like Piper always has like this like murderous look on his face when he comes out of the curtain, and it's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, he's and great at the way he carries himself, man. Yeah, like the, it's, it's it's awesome. I love one of the things in this match to quickly circle back to the Briscoe match. The whole match is defined by those first 15, 20 seconds. Every time they lock up and break up, did you notice Briscoe was pushing forward with this kind of poise and Roddy's always backing up? It's not because he was cowering. It's because he's like cunning, right? Like in that one visual of Briscoe attacking and, and Piper backing off, you get the whole match's identity basically. They're mirroring each other, but one of them is going to cheat and do anything possible to get ahead, and the other one is going to try and win a wrestling match. And it's like that's the match. That's the whole story of the match defined in a, in a you know click of a finger. So um, tremendous piece of business. Okay, we move now a year ahead. Starcade, the first Starcade. Um, I think even with Flair for the Gold, this is like the most famous match from that Starcade. Probably until recent times, the undeniable like the dog collar match. I think that's now going to be kind of same people debate, which fair enough. Um, Piper and Valentine. There was a great promo on AEW TV that referenced this match a couple of years ago. That I'm still legit. I guess it was a year ago. If it was longer. Look, genuinely, that is maybe Punk's best line, right? The, on doing that on Valentine's Day week, whenever that yeah, it was Valentine's Day week, was it Valentine's Day? I forget, but you know he had. He's Valentine, now will you be mine? That was an incredible piece of business. Um, And it got a lot of people going back to this one. I've seen this match an awful lot because it's a very, very famous one. And every single time I go back to it, 
I pop at just how how brutal this is, man. The work on the ear is like horrifying at times. Mm-hmm. Greg brings it on that front. Um, Alex, I'm sure you'd seen this before. Dog collar match, Valentine and Pipe. What did you make of it on this latest revisit? Yes, have seen this before. Um, oh yeah, has WWF ever done a dog collar match? Or they just so. always do like strap matches? Yeah, I don't think they have. Well. For some reason, that was like my first thought. I was wondering about that. Um, yeah, every time I watch this, I'm like, God, this must have sucked to be in because <laughs> even like when they there's that part where Piper's like doubled over the chain and is hitting Valentine, and Valentine's like got both his arms up and blocking it. That still had to hurt like fuck, man, getting a, a real chain banged on your arms, and then the end where he's just wearing him out with it. And it's, um, I do miss the idea of limbs blading limbs yes of like because you know dusty and those old timers have those fucking shredded like the top of their arms are vader, and, and i remember vader bladed his arm in the uh, uh strap match with sting who did that on dynamite a couple was it jericho that did that a couple yeah. years ago yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's gage right wasn't it nick gage i think it was actually yes <laughs> Again, I, I know what you guys are saying actually happened, but it just sounds it's kind of awesome. <laughs> anyway, carry on. No, you're good. Edge did it that one time with the or the whole, or, the whole or you can be Carrie Von Eric and accidentally blade your arm. Uh, <laughs> different thing, very different. Doing some blow off the razor, and then oh god, even uh, more different thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is just, I mean, honestly, when this match starts and it cuts to the hard cam, that's one of the all time professional wrestling aesthetics. You got Valentine and Piper with a dog collar, NWA on the mat, the like smoke billowing kind of over everything going on and the crowd just going nuts. Uh, I had forgotten that their introductions consist of their, uh, 1976 Saturday Night Live headshots. That fly into frame. Uh, that I is incredible. That, yeah. It's so good, too, because Piper's is like, you know, welcome back, Cotter, smiling and shit. And then Greg Valentine's like his mugshot, like all super serious. It's <laughs> excellent. Uh, more Bob Cottle. He's uh, having a good time with this. It's Bob and uh, Gordon. So, God, dream yeah. team right there. Um, what else do I have? Valentine, very underrated flop. Everyone goes to the flare flop, but Valentine had a fantastic one. And um, a match that you can't really say more about it than has already been said. Yeah. But yeah, like as far as like American hardcore wrestling goes, this was like the benchmark for a long ass time. This and um, Magnum and Tully's I Quit match were like, yeah, you know, that was what America had to go against some of the barbed wire, like the early Onita shit in Japan. So it's um, it's historical in that sense. I think it still holds up. I could see people who are just used to kind of the modern style of like hardcore matches kind of being like, well, well, let's go. But it's, um, you know, I'd argue the first Starcade wouldn't have been half as special without this. And like for you sure. already said, like the flair for the gold was the draw, but this is, and this is also when we're talking about like Piper picking up like national or becoming a player in the industry, the way the crowd reacts to him in this match and specifically at the end where he stands triumphant is like, he was an established star at this point, and so naturally he'll fall into place with the what's coming up next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should have noted that this is post-babyface turn. 
if anyone's never seen it before, I recommend that there's a YouTube compilation of, of Roddy turning babyface, and it's it's a deal with Ole Anderson, right? Where Ole is sort of uh, he's he's irritated by something Roddy did, and Roddy is taunting him as you would expect him to, and Ole's and the place just rumbles. It's it's an incredible deal. Um, but yeah, the the opening visual, that kind of tug of war situation they're in, where they're like just pulling each other's heads back. Oh, I mean that talk about establishing a, a gimmick immediately, a stipulation immediately. I mean, that does that in an instant. Um one quick thing I wanted to shout out too before I forgot to Bobby was how cool was that like deal where he trapped him in the corner? You know, and like wrapped the chain around the post and he mm-hmm. was kind of stuck. I think Punk did that with Max or something to that effect, right? They did something similar. I, I couldn't recall, but it the way they did it here, it really jumped off the page. So there was some really nice creative stuff here. Bobby, what did you make of the dog collar? Firstly, had you ever seen it before? No, this is the first time I saw it. I've seen the uh, the two punk dog collar matches, and obviously the Briscoes and FTR. But this is the first time I've seen this one. Um, wow. I loved Dude. it, man. Like oh. it was, um, it was brutal and violent, but like in such a different way than I think the other three I mentioned are. Um, you know, just like wrapping the chain around their heads or their eyes or stuff like that is just as effective because you can think of what that feels like, and like it's not pleasant, you know. And uh, <laughs> this would not be a good situation to be in. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just just a brawl, man. It was awesome. You know, they both were bleeding quite a bit, and uh, I loved it. You know, I um, it's got me wanting to go back and kind of watch. I think they have a couple other matches that are. They have the one in July is really great. Yeah. The one that yeah, that one I was going to check out. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was awesome. Is there a wrestler who is truly underrated and appreciated like Greg Valentine that so many people will say? without ever having watched Greg Valentine wrestle, how underappreciated and underrated he was. He was, like, bro, he was the real deal, but you're right. <laughs> it's, great it's, wrestler, man. it's so weird. He's definitely great one of like, you know, it's the Cesaro hot tag. Like every once in a while, someone will yeah. put on Twitter, like Greg Valentine was so underrated. It's like, yes, he was, but let's talk about why that was. It, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, he's in the hall of fame and he, he gets his flowers here and there, but I, I don't, this is coming from a place of me, unsure if enough people out there know how fucking great he was mm-hmm. yeah it's like when they what you i guess the point is when they say they think he was underrated it's because they remember him like you know being a guy in the wf and he was a guy in the wf for a very long time was very good at it, but he was like a genuinely great wrestler for the generation like he was not just like a nice little role player underneath you know you look at him here and it's like it's, it's incredible man he's and again i, I want to say it once the chat's talking about it the Tito Santana um, feud is in unbelievable. Yes. Every one of the yeah. matches are great. Like literally, he's also great. He was like my favorite thing about him was if you watch his Japan shit for the most part, he still just did like NWA style matches, but the crowd yeah. still loved him. It's like oh, it's you know, great Valentine. But and I know we're talking about Piper, but every time I watch Va- Valentine, I'm just like, man, this guy really got every facet of it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, he was second generation, uh, but that obviously does not always transfer, Mike von Eric. And uh, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Valentine, yeah. great, Tremendous. great wrestler, absolutely. Um, my one gripe with this matchup, I've always thought the finish was a little unsatisfying, a little, a little kind of uh, I don't want to call it tame because it's not tame, but the match is so violent from start to finish. I always feel it could have used just a slight escalation to get to hit that final note, but that's a little thing. Um, Do you like the finish of rock and Austin from 17? People always find not, not Vince and Austin joining. The the actual, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I do, but only because they get that great shot of Austin's like face when he's swinging the chair. You know the yeah. shot they're using the slow mo replay where he looks like an actual killer, like an actual <laughs> <laughs> like he's swinging it and you see his eyes. Um, yeah, I think it's because this is so the violence and brutality is so consistent that by the end it almost I don't want anything phony or stagey. I don't need anything dramatic or cinematic. I just I think a slight escalation would have kind of hit home a little extra hard. But I don't know. It's just a, yeah. that's a small thing. Um, Oracle, what did you make of the dog collar match, mate? Uh yeah, this is this is. Uh, still a classic um just the, you know just the uh the production of this is great and like <clears throat> the way they just put over the gimmick is is just tremendous stuff like you mentioned joe when they were like like literally like two dogs basically mm -hmm. like you know trying to get off a leash and then um <laughs> of course you know it's total bloodbath the close-up shots of the of the this legit chain being wrapped around their face. Oh my God. And there's one part, there's one great part where like they have like the big brawl or like, you know, they're, 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 you know, punching back and forth, whatever. And they get like a double knockdown or something. And Piper falls to the mat and he's wrapped around in the chain and the chain is wrapped around his mouth as he's on the ground. And it's like, what the fuck? When, when Piper's behind Valentine and has it going through his mouth and Valentine's mm -hmm. like screaming, that's like, mid 80s horror vhs box yes. art yeah yeah and, and it's like you can tell just by looking i mean that's a it's a big ass chain man like the, the, um of course piper's ear is just fucking gushing blood and like valentine's work over it is awesome um i don't disagree with you on the finish joe but i will say that that's not unusual for an 80s stip finish yeah um sure. that's why people praise the Anatolian magnum so much because mm -hmm. it's you know sort of visceral ending um yeah i just rewatched that again recently that, so much. that is so brutal dude that's like yeah. one of the most metal things ever yeah the to be to be fair though the screaming in that adds a certain drama right to that finish the screaming uh, yeah. isn't like an incredible moment in wrestling history but i'm with you absolutely um, but yeah, just I think this holds up. I, you know, it didn't it doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, and for what it's worth, I like you know the dog collar matches of, of the last few years a lot. But um, this one's still better for me, um, mostly because they just they know how to put the gimmick over really well, and they just they keep it tight and and, and focused, and don't you know. I, most matches, most most feud injuries today go, like, that's why I like Punk and Kingston so much, you know, because that is honestly, feet, you know, like <clears throat> all these feud injuries today have to go twenty minutes or more. It's like you don't have to go twenty minutes or more. It's funny you bring that up because I was actually going to say Eddie and Punk was more like this than Max and Punk was, mm -hmm. ironically, even with the dog collar, because Max and Punk much, very much worked it like a sort of, it was more dramatic, right? It was like an extended epic almost. It was more story than sheer violence, even though there was an awful lot of blood and there was a lot of blood. I certainly remember that. But yeah, this is more like what he did with Eddie. Um, I think Briscoe's and FTR got pretty close to this in, the, in terms of the vibe, but mm. you can't really compare. Match, you know, to, exactly. Yeah. You, you can you add can't a few more minutes in a tag match, but. Yes. Yeah. You can't compare when it's a tag because you could do an awful lot of things with that. But. A couple of quick notes on this, just, you know, to capture how nuts wrestling was. 
they took this match like on the road, sort of. After this, they they did eight dog collar rematches over the next five weeks. Jesus, <laughs> which I'm sure they didn't go this hard every time, but like it's a dog collar match. I mean, it's still insane. Um, Piper heads to the WWF two months later in January, and Greg I think follows in March. So like we are right, like that's coming up real, real close. Um, I also would like to shout out the the great Hammer. Poor Greg talking about this match explains that he recently rewatched it for the AE documentary about Roddy Piper. And he says, you know, that match was 40 to 45 minutes long. And the interviewer doesn't say anything. And he's like, you know, because back then, unless it was TV, I didn't wrestle 10 to 20. You know, every night was 40 to 60. And that the day that wrestlers stop lying about time is the day we close this thing down, man. He said he watched the match last year and he still claims it's 45 minutes. That's, that is real wrestling. You know? yeah. It's not any better. Beautiful. Did you guys uh, catch Triple H saying he defended the WWE title against John Cena at WrestleMania 22 last night? Not, Bobby, Bobby, did you catch that? You did. He did not defend the title. He challenged for the championship. Anyways. He did. Piece of That's shit. Uh, Hogan, like the Laps fans doing a uh, transcript of his deposition with his back doctor. And there's one where he's like, <laughs> Uh, in my prime, I was wrestling up to 420 times a year. <laughs> what about when he says, when he, okay, we're going to veer off here, but quickly, what about when he goes, TNA is not a wrestling company? <laughs> <laughs> There's a part where he's like, uh, um, so was TNA the focus? Oh, no, TNA was always an afterthought. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know how close he was to wrestling senior at Mania, how much that was a thing they wanted to do. I had no idea, no clue. WrestleMania twenty five. Wow. Is yeah. Is there any like besides Hogan? Like, is there ever anyone that said that was really in the works? I don't know. I'm, I'm never, rolling with it, man. It sounds nuts. I never heard about it. Yeah, okay. It, Fucking scoops the bob up there, shooting it down. <laughs> Why would Hogan lie about it? He never lies. We well, about? yeah, but you know, like the Hogan Austin stuff. That was like an annual rumor for a few years. This one's the first I'm hearing about it. Was yeah. Uh, like I remember. I was kind of already on the internet at that point. No way out 2002. And people are like, why did Austin shoot down working with Hogan? And then at WrestleMania, it was like, because he saw that coming. Yeah. Yeah, that was a hell of a play. <laughs> hell of a play. Brother. Um, nonetheless, let's put a bow on Act 1 here. Any other matches to shout? I, I've got the, you know, I wanted to, you know, I've already said the Greg one. So that, that's really all I had. Is anything else coming to mind for you guys? You're more familiar with the... Uh, the pre WF stuff, so I was intrigued. Any any matches from Act One that you'd like to shout? Uh, yeah, the the Portland stuff, which I you know I couldn't recite page and verse at this point, but you know YouTube is such a tremendous resource, and that you just Google that. De- oh, Devin froze, looking like fucking Undertaker's entrance. I got scared there for a second. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, when I was looking up, in the, yeah, I was looking up in the sky there. <laughs> But my recommendation is, you know, I've spent many a night just kind of sitting on the couch and watching montages on YouTube or, you know, episodes of TV, Portland wrestling around his time. And then also, I can't, Devin, you might be able to help me out with this. I posted in preparation for this, the promo he did with Rick Martell, where he smashes the beer bottle on his head when they were feuding with the sheep herders. I, I can't remember which company or territory that was in at the time, but I remember all of that being just a lot of fun. Because um, in light of his recent passing, uh, Bushwhacker Butch will just say that uh, if you've never seen any of the sheep herders work uh, and all you're familiar with is the Bushwhackers, it's like fucking night and day. So 
Start there, Rick dude, Martel. Those and, dudes could brawl right. and bleed and fucking kick ass. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what they were meant to do, though? Dance and eat sardines. Right. And 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 lick the he- you know lick the foreheads of children, I guess. <laughs> Fair. Well, on that note, we will move to Act 2. This is, of course, the first OWF run, the, the kind of famous uh, hill run that I think is how Roddy is kind of most um, most remembered historically, right? I think he's generally as Hogan's like great antagonist and, and rival and foe. Uh, and th- this is kind of that time frame here. And we, we start with Water Settle the Score, which is a very famous deal with it was the MTV show, right? There was a, it was a one-off single match, t- you know, episode event on, on MTV it was the rock and wrestling um, connection, all that good stuff. Cindy Lauper. I'm sure you know the deal by now, folks, that will come back around for the finish. Um, we were talking through in our preparation for this being the pros. We are, you know, we, we sit down and we throw some matches out there and we was like, what? I think I just travel. I was like, is there any of the Hogan matches like good? I was just like, what should we do? And, we just kind of concluded, look, they're all the same match. You know exactly what you're going to get with these matches. Piper's not going to lose any of them. You know that much for sure. Water settle the score. It's a moment in time. It's the one to go with. And that's that's what we did here. Uh, there are some iconic visuals in this pre-match. Some visuals that genuinely they have used forever since, right? Like the one with them, with Hogan coming out, with Cindy. That's They use that to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, has a hot brought to start. And it is absolutely the match you're imagining it being. If you've never seen it, you have seen it. I'm telling you, you've seen it. Whether you have or not, you've definitely seen it. Um, but that's okay because this is the kind of match that made that formula a thing that we all know anyway of being real. So you can't really knock it for that. Oracle, what did you make of it, mate? War to settle the score, even though no score was actually set. <laughs> uh, this is fun, you know. It just yeah. Piper gets the shit kicked out of him. Uh, then there's a ref bump, and then Piper beats the shit out of Hogan, and then there's like interference from Orndorff. Orndorff's top rope knee looked awesome, by the way. It did. Um, Mr. T gets in there, and then Piper just beats the shit out of him, and it rolled. Um, and then, like, Cindy Lauper comes up on the apron and, like, just sort of, like, yells at Roddy. And, what? What? <laughs> it's a whole melee. And the cops and everything, it's an awesome visual where they swarm and hold everybody back because T goes after Dude. Piper. Uh, and I, not to be like the Attitude Era fan or anything like that, but can you imagine like being a wrestling fan and watching this in real time? Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, there's yeah. no internet or anything. And so, like, Mr. T jumps in the ring, and this was obviously the setup for WrestleMania. Right. Yeah. There, there was no Grin Grappler telling you where to turn back in those days. So you would have had no idea. And I just like the way this plays out. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but it has that feeling yeah, of like, Put yourself back in time watching this on MTV, and then right. it just cuts yeah. off and ends, and then fucking Wang Chung starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I I bring this up on this show like all the time. I brought it up on here several times. But Piper being like, "Don't work for me, brother." To Hogan of all people, every single time without fail is legendary. Oh yeah, he should he should be lauded and praised for that. For all the shit Hogan pulled over the years, Piper's like, "Not today, pal." You know, what a character. That's just that's art, man. That's special right there. I've got a call out when when Cindy Lumber gets on the apron. Gorilla like 
Like everyone's having a great time, and Gorilla just yells like she's gonna get killed. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mr. T makes the save, and he's like, he's he doesn't belong in that ring. Like Gorilla was so he, he seemed so concerned that something really traumatic was gonna happen to everyone. It was really quite the ordeal. Incredible atmosphere for this, Bobby. Have you ever seen this before? And and uh, what did you make of it? No, I had not seen it before. Um, it is. It wasn't on the WWE Network. I don't know if it's on Peacock. I ended up just watching it on Daily Motion or whatever. It's but, on. Uh, um, it's on the Roddy Coliseum video. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, they put it on the network for like a, a day. Because yeah. <laughs> I think there's still that's like where the whole Velocity catalog's not up because and uh, Heat also because I think there's some. Oh yeah, MTV and WWE pissing that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I had um I had never seen it. I thought uh you know the match is what it is, but like just a spectacle and you know Bob Costas is there and Danny DeVito and Joe Piscopo and uh, just all the stars of the time, man. And uh, I never really thought about like you know they didn't have weekly TV at this time. How did they set up WrestleMania? And now I know. So yeah, it was fun. It's also, I mean, just on the surface. MTV is a fucking insane place this match to air. Oh, yeah. You also have to remember that wrestling had not been like a national television. It was always a regional television thing. You know? yeah. Let's talk about the year it wasn't MTV. You know, this isn't like 2005 yeah. and, you know, this is 1985 MTV where like yep. every like every person 40 years, mm-hmm. you know, between the ages of like 10 and 40 are fucking watching MTV in 1985. Yeah. We had just come off the Video Music Awards where Madonna did like a version on the stage that like changed the entire trajectory of that channel. And so, yeah, sorry, I, I kind of geek out on MTV history a lot of the time. Yeah. If you haven't seen that performance, it's awesome. Dan Aykroyd introduces her. And then when it's over, she's like picking her clothes up off the stage and the crowd just kind of stunned silent. And then the announcer's <laughs> like, coming up next, Crosby, Stills and Nash. <laughs> No, I, uh, I think that context is worthwhile because I do think some people will not quite grasp how big a deal this was. Um, a preposterous situation. Alex, I'm sure you'd seen this before. I know we, we talked about it a little bit, but what did you make of it on Revisit, mate? Yeah, and I also, I was the one that kind of pushed for this when we were piecing together the playlist because, and it's very imperative that you watch the original broadcast of this because any re-airing immediately replaced Eye of the Tiger with Real American. And the... Like, I'm already getting chills thinking about this. You cannot do it any better than it does this as far as... Like, in a movie, you would think that's amazing. Um, also, props to Captain Lou for still milking all the goodwill he had with Senior to get a spot here where he comes out with fucking Hogan. But um, when Hogan comes out to Eye of the Tiger, when it's kicking up and he, like, does that thing where Mr. T's just a fan there, and they, like, you know, they, they rev each other up and he's, go get him, brother. When he gets in the ring, as... Eye of the Tigers crescendoing. Hogan's ripping his shirt off and Piper's ripping his skirt off, or excuse me, uh, the Bobby Heenan and me coming out there, his kilt, and they run at each other and clash right as like the, it's mm-hmm. the Eye of the Tiger. It's just, it's like one of the most preposterously awesome things you could find in wrestling. But uh, yeah, the match is not much. It's more about just the context of it. So they had done the brawl to end it all six months or so before this on MTV where... Mm-hmm. That was where Wendy Richter beat Mula, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, so this was war to settle the score. The event shirt for this is like the holy grail of wrestling merchandise collecting. Um, and it was the highest rated show in the history of MTV at that point. And wow. this, to me, this is like as as much fun as the WrestleMania 1 main event is. 
the atmosphere for this is more intense. Yeah, and sure. also like the diversity in the crowd is just baffling, especially by like modern standards. There's like old dudes in suits, little kids, you know, different mm-hmm. minorities and ethnicities everywhere. And it and but they're all just going batshit. Like when Hogan starts working his comeback and stuff, and um it's is it eight minutes, if that? And it's basically every interaction Piper had with Hogan, which Devin just explained. Hogan wins, ref goes down, Piper wins, then schmaz, and we go mm-hmm. home, and Piper doesn't get pinned. So I don't believe beyond that I had too much to note on it, but like, oh, besides uh, Bob Costas, just, you know, to put it over the top is the, the ring announcer for this. Uh, this is the peak. I know the literal first WrestleMania came, but to me, this is the peak moment, just if you contextualize everything of the rock and wrestling era. Yeah, especially there's definitely a um, use the word intense. There's definitely it has kind of a fight atmosphere, right? Which is something that we talk about a lot being a thing of yesteryear that we don't get anymore. Definitely feels like you're about to see heavyweight title fight the garden, which frankly that's what it was to some of the folks in the audience, right? I mean that was what that was what they were there to see. It was a very different time, and, and it reflects in the atmosphere for sure. Even you know we return to the garden later um, in Act Three, and it's like you can tell that the audience has adjusted to what the WWF has been in those six years, whatever it is, you know, like it's just a different, it's a different wrestling world by that point uh, to say the least. But I believe also to, uh, for the MTV note, I believe Mm -hmm. this was the last show they did because uh, MTV, what it was something like MTV was like, okay, well we should start getting a cut of this money that this is generating. And, And I think Vince then argued, no, you should be giving us your cut. I, I, like I know there was something insane. Like at one point he was he was just like, "Well, I'll just buy MTV or something." But uh, yeah, this is. Um, you think about that. It was just like the perfect blend of the time, and even like with the Attitude Era, um, the people that romanticized that. There still wasn't something like that. It was just kind of like crazy wrestling. This was MTV and WWF mm-hmm. coming together, and yeah, worked out well for all involved, and is a huge part of the reason that. Um, Piper and you know, Hogan would have been one of those guys regardless, but a lot of Piper's legacy comes from this MTV relationship yeah. and his kind of immortality. And then also, like I was joking, Captain Lou obviously played a part. There's a reason people still parody him on Saturday Night Live and shows. And uh, like I remember Workaholics had a joke about Captain Lou, and a big part of that, he was in the Girls Just Want to Have Fun music video, and he was, mm-hmm. it was just a big era. Yeah, it's crazy to look back on, you know, like, and I'm not. You know, we, we do have a fair bit of it used to be better around here. But that isn't, you know, like, I, I enjoy wrestling for years. But when you see something, it is kind of incredible. You read some of the numbers, the viewership. <laughs> the other, the biggest one to me is the Hogan-Andre deal they did on NBC, which is, what was the viewership for that? It was like some absurd. 33 million. People are 33 million. 33 million. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you, that is, um, to me, from my experience as a wrestling fan, that's unfathomable. Like, I genuinely don't understand what that even means. That's like, I can't, it's ridiculous to me. So, well, the, yeah. the one I found, I was Googling this in real time while we were doing this. The one I found, this isn't confirmed, but the one I found for the war to settle the score, the TV rating was a 9.1. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Wow. Um, it was a different time, folks. It was a different time. Okay. There you go. We'll settle the score. Uh, we jump a year ahead now to, a, and actually, in fairness, not nearly as much as the Hogan one, but a pretty famous deal with, with Bruno San Martino, right? They had a, a segment of the garden 
that is on YouTube for sure. I remember doing an article about uh, about like kind of the talk shows in WWF history, and this is a really significant one. Um, Bruno is on Piper's Pit at MSG, and that goes about as you'd expect, considering everything you know about their personalities, and it, it you know inevitably gets physical. And they do a few things in the months between, and there's a couple tag matches. They do a couple singles matches, but this is the blow off. This is the the end of that little kind of off TV is a weird thing because this was on like the local Boston, it, like it was on, but not really, right? It's kind of a, a thing for for events' sake, which is what wrestling was then. So it's always a little more complicated, but nonetheless, like these and the MSG Network ones weren't really factored into canon, right. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Canon was just it, the thing is, WWF canon was very different than anyway because so much of what you were trying to do was drive people to the live events you know it was like it's a weird people struggle with that now where it's like there are programs that are not blown off on pay-per-view necessarily because that wasn't really the point right they were like they were equals almost for a while there um but nonetheless we're at boston garden here and inside the steel cage and piper immediately is is getting heat with some some sports team business chicago bears am i correct bobby i'm not an expert on this one um has some memorabilia. He's hanging it up on the cage. It was an incredible touch. Um, they go to work, and something happens in the first minute or so of this match that is so funny. I had to pause the match and rewind and rewind and rewind and rewind. I stayed on it for about 10 minutes. It made me laugh so much. And then about half an hour before we went live, Alex messaged the exact thing that I was laughing at. Um, so... As you can see from the fellas gesturing here, now look, folks, it is what it is. You know, we're we're not here to pull back the curtain too far. It's not our business, right? We're just observing. Ah. However, in the first thirty seconds of this match, Bruno throws Piper into the cage three times, and every single time he throws into the cage, Roddy brings his arm up, goes from one side of his head to the other, <laughs> <laughs> and each time it's more expansive. He adds like a flair to it almost. You know, his yeah. arm is sort of... It, it, he does it three times. and It's funny enough the first time, right? Because it's the first thing you see in the match. It's the opening spot of the match. But he throws him inside of the cage, side of the cage, and he keeps doing it. Is he, I'd never seen it like he certainly got the job done. He was poor in blood. Yeah. Um, but that really sets the tone. The one thing I'd say about this is I enjoy this for you is your mileage will absolutely be decided by like how much you like the escape to win thing. If you don't like escape to win cage matches, this will not do a lot for you because the last four minutes of the eight minutes are just them like racing to the door and pulling each other out. I don't mind it. I, I'm not a big fan, but I don't hate it as much as some do. Um, Bob, what do you make of that step as a cage? That's always a, a topic people debate, right? Like, what do you make of the escape to win? And then what did you think of this match in particular? Yeah, I don't really love the escape to win. I, you know, I'm more on board with the cage being there to kind of keep people out instead. Um, this one was fine. Like it was short enough. Um, Bruno doesn't really have it anymore at this point, but it's a cool match that it happened. I guess you know, it's two top guys all time. And uh, you know, the, the Piper stuff you talked about was funny. I popped for the Bears stuff. It was, it was inoffensive. Like it isn't my favorite match we watched, but it was fine. Great atmosphere, right? Yeah. A great, great atmosphere. Um, yeah. There's, 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 there's some nice stuff here. Oracle, what did you make of it, mate? Yeah, uh, our uh, our uh, friend Alex uh, John Keating was at this show. Yes, um, you're right. Yeah, oh Great yeah, Bolo was yeah. at the show. Yeah, um, and uh, so to to put a little context on the uh, on the on the stuff with the Bears posters, about a week or two before this, the Chicago Bears, their legendary '85 team, 
beat the New England Patriots. They did. Uh, Super Bowl. So that's that was that's where the heat started yeah. from. There is Piper taunting the Patriots and Boston, Boston fans there. Um, but uh, yeah, this one this one's just a super you know super fun match. Piper's blade job is like legendary. I I remember watching it years ago. This I watched this 15 years ago maybe or, or like close to it and just watching it and going oh my god like he just obviously bladed like the first minute <laughs> in the match is so obvious and um that like never left me and and, and that's kind of you know and 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 i had seen their other tags and stuff which were also fun but uh <clears throat> made me kind of want to put you know put this match on there because it's 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 a lot of fun it's it's a feud ender it's a uh, unique feud it's a way for us to get bruno on here um piper working the second half of the match with his ass out because Bruno, that's incredible. I was like running around the cage and tackling Bruno, trying to make saves from the escape with his ass hanging out. Um, just, just, a, just a super, super fun match. You know, Bruno doesn't do too much. You know, he does a, he does a modest blade job. Uh, I, I think himself and and just basically spins the match. Uh, you know, throwing Piper around. But it, uh, I, I also like the spot where he got the. Uh, I think it was the Jim McMahon poster and shoved it up, shoved it in Piper's pants. And yes, and, um, but uh, yeah, this was this was a uh, this is a fun feud that I watched a lot of when I was watching 80s WF a while back. And uh, there's some very offensive Piper promos in this uh program, mm -hmm. um, but uh, he definitely he definitely gets his um comeuppance here and and uh. I always like the finish where, where where Bruno gets the chair and and uh, and yeah. uh, it's Piper, and then he like falls into the camera guy on, on his way out the door. Uh, but just just a, just a super fun match. Probably not great by any means, but uh, still still a total blast in my eyes. You know, we had that conversation a while back, about half an hour ago, maybe about how once you're over, you don't have to do a lot. Bruno, man, mm -hmm. Bruno's fucking punches ain't even good, you know. But he like. At one point, he beats Roddy up a little, and he walks around the cage and he just looks at people like this, and they just fucking roar. This is Bruno, right? Who gives a shit? Like, like he's not really doing much, but it's Bruno, man. It doesn't matter. Um, he's he's working with different rules by this point. Alex, what did you make of the uh, the cage match? Yeah, I'm sure I'd seen this before. It's uh, it's always interesting to watch Bruno matches. You know, I've yeah. I've probably seen less. It, it, at most five matches from like his heyday and that takes uh, what we're talking about earlier it takes a lot of putting yourself in the mindset of the fan at that time yeah. and and i dude his his punches are bad like yeah. i i like the setup he would do where he would grab behind the head and then go in for it like that kind of was cool but shit like that and it's you know it's that weird era of wrestling uh kind of you know, Bruno would have been the get out of the way old man to Luthez, where it was like the strikes were way more theatrical than, mm -hmm. you know, the grappling era. So, like, the way Bruno wrestles and the way Roddy Piper wrestle seem like they should clash, like, dramatically. And they kind of do, but again, it's hard to get mad at an eight-minute match. And yes. it's hard to really start, like, dissecting much from that. When, like, when this match was over... Like when I saw the finish coming and Bruno got out of the cage, my thought was immediately well, that was all right. But then when Bruno's feet hit the ground, the crowd goes fucking nuts. And 
in the immortal words of Jimmy King in Ready to Rumble, he says, well, the crowd liked it. And, you know, that's really all that matters <laughs> with a lot of these because they're the people that are going to come back and pay for tickets and all that shit. Um, did mark hard for um, the scoreboard telling the crowd to chant yes. for Bruno. You could see Bruno flashing in the background. I thought that was just absolutely fantastic. And uh, aside from that, oh, Bruno, the he, like he punches Piper in his taint. It's not his balls. Like he <laughs> he uppercuts him right in the gooch, and you know I'm sure that's devastating. So Piper went down like a sack of potatoes, and that's such a classic finish that you know the guy's almost out, and he doesn't want to go back, so he scrapes for anything that's at his grasp, and he finds a chair and hits the other guy, and bing, bang, boom, it's over. Um, you know th- this is not. Um, you know, Sean and Angle or anything like that. But at the same time, it's exactly what that crowd wanted to see. Yeah. And that's like what's important. Yeah, simple formula, right? The the kind of cocky hot shot getting getting his comeuppance against the, the the grizzled kind of legend figure who's who is grizzled in every which way. So everything about his Dude, performance is grizzled, you know? At the end, when his hair when the comb back oh. has completely come undone and it's just like <laughs> a fucking dinosaur egg peeking out the back of his head, getting out of the cage. It's incredible. And you know, I, in real time, I was, I, you know, if you ask me, I would assume that was his last match, but then I remembered he was at the WrestleMania two battle Royal and he wrestled like 20 or 30 more times after this. It's so weird because I always forget he was around as much as he was. I don't think of it that way. He he had a, uh, he had a program of Savage the same year. Oh, well, (laughs) yeah. And since you brought that up, it's when Savage, I don't remember who Savage in, injures, but Bruno's interviewing him. Bruno's got the fucking the red WF Shriners coat on. And Savage is like, that's right, Macho Man Randy Savage. And Bruno goes, you're proud of it, you slime. And then grabs him by the throat and starts shaking him back and forth. I love the angle. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Bruno's last match was in August of 1987, where he teamed with Hulk Hogan at a house show in Baltimore as they took on King Kong Bundy. And the one man gang. Oh my god! <laughs> what what was Bruno's spot in that match? That's crazy, man. They didn't even give him a guy who could like bump for him, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like, I guess it was futures now, old man. You're gonna work into hot tag Hogan, and then Terry came in and slammed them both. Yeah, something like that. I'm gonna have to seek that one out. Hopefully, there's a fan cam. <laughs> Hopefully we can get our hands on it. John Keating <laughs> took it. Yeah, absolutely. We have to investigate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> any any other hits we like call up this? I love the match of Adonis. That yeah, he's his last match from WrestleMania uh, <laughs> three, right? WrestleMania yeah. three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the um, crowd bought that it was his retirement because that's how like yes. much of a, it's. I always hey. say the WrestleMania thirteen was Undertaker's thank you run, and he wrestled for another fucking twenty five years. <laughs> There is a there is a six man tag before WrestleMania three that is incredible. It's a six man elimination tag. Um, I do not remember the, is the one with Savage it? and Steamboat in it. Yes, I think yeah. so. I think so. Um, did you see the story he told about like the, when the John the John Carpenter thing came together? Have you ever seen that, Alex? He's like he's Perhaps. agent tell. His agent tells him, like, you know, John Carpenter wants me. He's like, Who's the fuck is that? Who the fuck is that? <laughs> and he's like, He's explaining it being Roddy. And he's like, Listen, man, I was in a time war. You know, I was, I was doing wrestling. When you're doing wrestling, you don't know what's going on elsewhere. It's like, All right, man, I guess. Like, this is 1987. Like, 
Like and I've this. seen uh, fucking Johnny Carpenter talks about like he, you know, Pulp Fiction, Travolta style. He had Piper in mind for that role, and like he was just. Yeah. It, it's so fascinating to me that like the true artists of that era were influenced by pro wrestling. Uh, he Carpenter was a big Piper fan. I, if I remember correctly, the interview I read with him once, he he said, "I I'm not a wrestling fan, but I'm a Roddy Piper fan." Like I saw him on TV, and he was very mm-hmm. captivating. And that was uh, David Letterman always said one of his early influences was Bobby Heenan. Like, I, I'm not a wrestling fan, but this guy was an influence on me. And it's so fascinating to think in those terms of back when wrestlers were treated That's that way. That's crazy but, because right. that That's makes incredible. sense. Sorry, because I just thought about – because Letterman's an Indiana guy, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and Heenan would have been in uh, in, the, in, mm-hmm. in uh, WWA or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I, I never knew that. That's cool. The six man in question was Adrian Adonis, Harley Race, and Randy Savage versus Steamboat Piper and JYD. Uh, yes. It says it's a WWE on MSG Network, so that you can probably find that in the old school section of your mm-hmm. Peacock or WWE Network. Um, yeah, that's out yeah, for sure. I forgot to reference in the first act. We do need to call out uh, Piper. You know, very little of it exists on film, his run in Mexico. Uh, but the match he had with Chavo Guerrero at the Olympic Auditorium yes. in 1978 was fantastic. And thank you to the incomparable uh, incomparable Roy Lusher that exists on YouTube for free. Um, but yeah, the Adonis match from this era is a lot of fun. Dude, I think the main event of WrestleMania 1 is a lot of fun. Yes. And uh, Piper... I can't think of any off the top of my head because they were Piper matches, so they were all non-finishes. But like... You watch a lot of those early Saturday night's main events. I mean, they're not all sunshine and rainbows, but there's a mm-hmm. lot of good shit to take away from those. Mm-hmm. And if you can find the original broadcast of them with all the original music, it there's such a fun like time period piece. Absolutely. The the Ondo series is worth shining. Yes, out. all those matches yeah. are really good. Um he has a really good match with the Tonga kid. That's yes. kind of that's what like, year is that? Is that eighty four? That's eighty four, I believe. It's kind of mixed in with the with a snooker feud. It's really right. good. Like it's really good. Tremendous, tremendous stuff. All right, that that covers the most kind of um, iconic portion of Piper's career. Now it's time to talk about my personal favorite. And based on what Alex was saying earlier, I think he's in a similar boat. If there's one thing I love, and Bob and I we shared this recently with with um, similar great Alexa Bliss, <laughs> is when a wrestler stops giving a shit. <laughs> but is a baby face because they've been around long enough and inexplicably has good matches. It's where we're at with Roddy Raw. This is where we're at. He's back. He is 1991 here for our first match. And he is positioned to like prepare Flair for Hogan, which doesn't really happen. It kind of happens, but not, you know, like that's basically the role he's put in, which is, you know, I'm sure he felt the same way. But I remember seeing an interview where he talked about it and he was like, you know, shrugged, shrugged his shoulders and talked about how wrestling was real, the usual. Um, but what you have here, as we get into Act 3, is Ric Flair versus Roddy Piper at Madison Square Garden. Now, there's so much here context-wise, right? Two kings of, like, mid-Atlantic wrestling, right? It goes without saying. Roddy moved on in 1984. These two haven't shared a ring since 83. Flair stayed Ric Flair throughout that whole time. As Crockett expanded, he expanded with it. Um... I think Flair at this Gorilla says it's his MSG debut, but I think it's his first match at the Gardens. It's 1976. So it might as well be his MSG debut, right? Because yeah. that's a different Ric Flair altogether. Um, 
That was man, one of my notes. Was, I was going to ask one of y'all to clarify that because that yeah. when he said that, I was like, mm, "That doesn't seem right." Yeah. But yeah. absolutely okay. Um, have 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 y'all seen the angle that sort of sets up this program? It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's Flair gets like under Piper's skin, and Piper swings a chair and fucking hits Vince. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I have and seen like, that. Have you seen this? It's awesome. Yeah. Oh yes, uh, it's, it's tremendous, Oracle. Absolutely. Yeah, I love. It's tremendous. I've always been surprised they didn't go to this for a big pay per view match, you know? Yeah. See, so. again, this is where that like canon thing is weird then, right? Because like, yeah, we run at the garden. It's like, yeah, I know, but what a, why don't you do it like SummerSlam or something? I don't know, man, or like Survivor Series or the Rumble, whatever. Um, well, they did man, have uh, competing teams at Survivor Series 91. Right. They yeah. did. You're right. Yeah. Um, of course, yes, I forgot about that. And they have a great moment in the Rumble. My God, do they have a great moment in the Rumble, right? Flair's big sell for Piper coming out. Um, this is such a cool moment in time. The atmosphere for this is awesome. And even though it's the exact match you're imagining, it's just the guys playing their hits in front of the garden, the crowd is loving it. And this is a great example of why guys need to move on. Because, so, I look, Flair's... I'm not going to look Jim Hurd fucked up with Flair. No, unquestionably. I'm not going to sit here and say Jim Hurd was right. But anyone who's seen 1990, 1991 Flair in WCW, it was over, bro. He didn't need to be the heel with top heel in WCW anymore. They'd seen his act. They wanted to cheer him. He didn't want to be cheered. And this is a great example of why you need to do other things sometimes because he plays the exact same fucking music here at the garden, but they are like, it's working again because they're new to it in some way, right? Like they're, they're seeing it in person for the first time. He's doing feel, it against a fresh opponent, so on and so forth, you know? I, I feel we may have seen something similar to this in recent yeah. wrestling history. Yeah. I'll tell you, man, it's, it's, there's, I can't believe how few guys get, like, there's something to be said for this. But um, this, that's the story of the match to me anyway. Alex, what did you make of, uh, of Piper and Flair here at MSG? Man, it, just think about, again, selfishly as a wrestling fan, my first thought is like, man, Think about it, you just lived in New York and you got to see this wrestling show that no one else in the world got to see. Right. Yeah, it was just like this shit for you. Uh, first thing, Vladimir in front row with his hot rod tank top on. God bless that guy. I, every day, hope we're getting closer to the documentary release. We'll see. Um, everything you said is right. The, the crowd was really excited to see like when uh, I think Fink starts before the music. It's from Charlotte, North Carolina. And like there's an audible like, ah, like from the crowd. <laughs> Here comes Ric Flair. Um, MSG debut. We talked about that, dude. Al Hayes is fired up in this match. I, it, <laughs> I don't know what was going on, or if they were having some fun in the studio or whatnot. But man, he is uh, well. Not side, so him and Gorilla are just yeah. Gorilla is you know the the straight man here, which is usually the opposite. And Al's just fired the fuck up. Uh, the biggest pop for me in the entire match, and again, uh, these both these guys still had a lot of gas in the tank. Were great. But were their prime was past them, so when they pulled off the bridge spot, like late yeah. into the match, I let out an audible cheer. I was a big fan of that. It's what it, what you said. What you'd expect from this match is what it is. But it's really cool to see it happen in MSG, and it's cool because it wasn't a WWF like produced show. It mm-hmm. it looks like an NWA match because you know the big lighting rig isn't there. It's just like the house show lighting and shit. So. It's a it's on YouTube. You can find it. It's it's a fun watch, easy watch. Absolutely. The speaking of Lord Alfred Hayes, um, 
when Piper goes and retrieves the steel chair, he just pulls it out from under poor poor Alfred. <laughs> he just pulls it out from under him and fucking Hayes goes, he falls over. Did you see him? It was incredible. Poor dude. <laughs> Knocked him over getting this. It was chair. in the middle of saying, promotional consideration paid for <laughs> by the following. <laughs> I've, I've been watching a lot of the Coliseum video stuff from this time frame. Um, I think Hayes was just like a big flare mark. Because he always is like this for Flair's matches, and he's never like this for anything else, as you just got into. But uh, I don't know. He's yeah, he's into this. Ric Flair swings one of the funniest chair shots ever in this match. He like just pushes it at Piper's head. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, re- really, really cool deal. Uh, Oracle, what did you make of this one, mate? Uh, this was this was super fun. Um, I just love the setting and just the uh, the atmosphere of the match. And like watching the fans in the front row who are like WWF fans, and we're popping yeah. huge for Piper. Like when when uh, Piper gets on the turnbuckle and Fla- and Flair like shoves him, whatever. And then Piper gives him slaps the shit out of him. There's this guy <laughs> up there, up there near the exit side who just loses his fucking mind. <laughs> and Piper's like slapping the taste out. Of it's so awesome. Like, it's just great, man. Like Flair just, you know. Flair always, you know, got up weird because he always, you know, with his back, he always would land on his on his side for the back body. But he did like he really had to put himself over for the back body jump he took in this one because, like, yeah, I guess he like he went up like I guess he like stopped his momentum before he went up or something. Sure, like he went up straight and like he really had to go over for that one. But uh, this was this was a lot of fun, man. Um, Just just a ton of fun. Piper pulls out the uh, the first, uh, or at least the, the you know the. Oh, <laughs> it is an insane Piper strike sequence. Pops me every time he does it. Yeah, and the crowd eats it up. Um, what about when um, <laughs> the referee gets between them? And Ric Flair throws like an uppercut and Piper bumps and Lord Alfred goes, he really, he's got a dig on him. He says about Flair. (laughs) (laughs) He says, he goes, he goes, incredible hand speed. (laughs) Ric Flair. Incredible hand speed for Piper. I can't, I can't get it out. Lord <laughs> the way he says it, he's so into this match, bro. He's calling it like it's fucking Ollie Frazier. <laughs> it's Beautiful. super fun. Um, yeah. Man, the first time I watched this match was a long time ago in WWF 24-7. Years ago. Probably when I was like probably when I was in like fucking seventh grade. But um, yeah, this 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 match still holds up as 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 a super fun match, and it's a it's a program in the setting of WWF. I kind of wish they'd went, you know, more with, you know, Me too. Um, they, they have a great interaction in the 92 rumble as well, but um, it's, it's uh it's a shame. It, you know, it was kind of cut off and they, you know, went along and did other things, but for that October, November period, they were doing this program. It was, it was yeah. 91 WWF going all the way into WrestleMania 892 is awesome. Anyways, that's my favorite period of classic WWF. Yeah. Um, so like, I like pretty much all the big feuds and stories from the era. But uh, it's 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 uh, this this feud's one of my personal favorites, and this match is probably the highlight of that in terms of you know it's it's uh, you know being featured. 
I mean, this dynamic just works, right? I mean, this is Piper's best stuff in WCW in ring is with Flair. I think it's fair to say. Um, what's the match they? What's the singles match they have? That's, that's the um, beach where they just cheat the whole time. And cheat, like, blow, yes, blow yeah. and, and like pull hair. It's awesome. really fun. Yeah, really fun. Obviously, by that point, they're both a lot deeper in the game. Um, potential, potential hot take, real quick. I kind of like Jim Johnston's Ric Flair theme better than Space Odyssey. Hmm. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. That's very oh, unfortunate. Come on, <laughs> bum, every bum, time I hear it, I get so mad every time it plays <laughs> on those colors. It, they've edited it out of. Uh, I think they've switched it out of Mania, right? I think they've edited it out and just put it in space. <laughs> I hate that shit. Like the ridiculous, like <laughs> dude, like for a while there, even though they own the rights to, I talked about this on the fucking Goldberg episode. When they would use the WWE theme and the old Goldberg matches, and it, even though they had rights to it, it's exactly what you're talking about. Like, you I understand own that why song. they don't do it. I understand why they don't do it, but I would wish they. I wish they would just go ahead and play like the backwards uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" for DDP. Although the one they play is pretty good. Is a pretty good yeah, dub. It's close, yeah. But like you know the story on that, right? That and the and the, and the backwards even flow for Jericho and shit like that because. Well, there's two stories on that. Is one, Jimmy Hart, I think, owns those. Oh. Uh, and then Based. the other one, I think it's Jimmy Hart. The other one was uh, DDP and Foo Fighters were on Total Request Live at the same time. And when DDP came out and they played his WCW theme, Dave Grohl went, hold on a minute, said... You're using this on TV every week. I think we need to have a talk. So that's how that went. My God, yeah, that is incredible. I had no idea. Um, Bob, it is well known that Ric Flair is officially your favorite wrestler ever. That has been decided in podcast form. It's true. So I'm sure you were happy seeing get the dub here. What did you make of the match, mate? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, you guys kind of covered it all, but like the environment just unmatched. Like the crowd's just going crazy for it. Um. You know, and you look at the rest of this show, it wasn't great, so I get why they uh, were fired up for this one. But, yeah, just just a great time, man. What went before this? You did a tweet. What was the match? Uh, British Bulldog uh, IRS 20-minute time limit draw. <laughs> That's disgusting, man. That's... Is this is this in the old school section? Or do you watch mm. the whole show, Bob? No, I was uh, I was looking at it on Cage Match. I didn't watch it all, but it is on the network if you want to watch a 20-minute match with those two. <laughs> Bob, did this remind you of Alexa Bliss versus Io Sky from October 2022? <laughs> I mean, it didn't until you brought it up, but yeah, kind of. Yeah. There's a lot of um, Ric Flair and Io Sky is a pretty kind of... Hmm. I, I see it. Or I, I if you, you see the picture I'm painting here, right? It's good stuff. Sure. Similar atmosphere. Um, okay, it's time. It's time to do our favorite thing. It's time to talk about Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh, man, Here we go. When you were uh, Joe, so graciously uh, reminding me and the the viewers that the Grin Grappler will go on, uh, I, I wanted to cut you off and say we just need to make sure that Bobby doesn't take his ball and go home again. And since yeah. Bret Hart's coming up now, I think it's appropriate. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes the ego gets in the way, right, Bob? Yeah, you know, the old pay is going to have to go up for Bobby, unfortunately. But we'll we'll live. It's fine. Dude, he, he badmouthed the fans, and then ratings went down when he wasn't here. So you know, it got to bring him back. He's, he's CM Punk, you know. <laughs> Bob never went backstage at Wrestling Inc. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, 
<laughs> so this is a famous deal. It's one of my favorite WF matches ever. Um, well, let's quickly talk about because I know Alex, you wanted to talk about the Mountie match. Like even just briefly, it's worth doing as a bonus feature. So the deal is the Mountie beats Brett two days before the Rumble, right? And there's some shenanigans at play, and Roddy comes down, and Roddy does it's so great the way he does the angle. Brett, He's just like Brett, enough Brett is almost enough. jumped at WCW at the time, so there was he a did. Yeah. Um, that's why he's the only guy from that era that's not in the Rumble match itself. Because like that yeah. Rumble match has the most ridiculous lineup ever, and it's not Brett. Because as conveniently left, conveniently left out of the retellings of history, Brett almost jumped ship here. He did, yeah. He, I think there's he talks about it in his book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that sets up this deal with the Rumble, which we'll start with just just because it's just it's like a five minute match and it controls. <laughs> Roddy just beats him. Fucking awesome. Two days, two day title run. Uh, Alex, I know you wanted to give this one some love. So quickly before we get to Brett, uh, the Mountie dropping the belt to to Roddy here at the Rumble. What did you think? Moreover, it was I wanted to talk about this because the what precedes the match is my definitive Roddy Piper promo. Well, you know, we're dealing with one of the original Village people here. With his maid Jimmy Hart kissing the belt, leaving all that lipstick on it. You know, that's dude, this promo when Piper passed, it's what I post on all my social media at the end. Or, well, one, he has the line of um uh the Mountie said he came here to take my integrity. It's like Jacques to Cousteau trying to find a dry spot in the ocean. I ain't got no damn integrity. How do you think I got so far? And then he said he tells the Mountie, he says, I think you've been doing all the dreaming. And I think it's been all wet too. And then Mean Gene goes, Oh, on that note, back to the ringside. <laughs> <laughs> the promo before it is phenomenal, dude. Jock is such a piece of shit that sometimes I forget how like just good he was as just yeah. an animated bad guy in the ring. Mountie had a banger theme too. But um it's just fun. Piper beats him up. The heel shenanigans don't work. And then they, they have this great kind of um, diversion for the finish where it looks like um, Jimmy's getting ready to hand off the, the cattle prod, but then Jock just goes to sleep. He puts him out in the sleeper hold, and the crowd goes nuts. It's five minutes. It's a lot of fun. This feud almost uh, also had uh, – might have been a Saturday Night's Main event where Piper wore that wetsuit that said shockproof on it, and the cattle prod didn't work on him anymore. Uh, it's <laughs> – like I said, with how I associate Piper, the the run of his career and him with the IC title, this this is kind of obviously what sets up one of my favorite matches of all time, and that's kind of yeah. how we get there. And it, like it, the promos are fun, the match is fun, and it kind of sets up um, Piper for the Rumble because the crowd thinks he has a lot of momentum coming into the Rumble match later. So the, for like arguably the greatest Rumble match ever, it's kind of a fun precursor. Speaking, Absolutely. Speaking of Jacques Rougeau, how much do you think I'd have to I'd I'd have to pay Terry to let me pin him? <laughs> <laughs> Ten grand, brother. I sometimes go back and watch that on YouTube, and you know Terry, of course, kicks out at three point oh 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 one, and then gets up like brother, like he falls at the end of platoon. Uh, but that's quite Jacques, I, and you know Jacques is the guy who could find a screen cap of him flexing on CNN the day after Chris Benoit's family was found. <laughs> he was trying to get a booking by going on like some Canadian news show 
that they're like, we got to go. And he's just like in the background flexing. So that's what kind of dude Jacques Rougeau is. Okay. So that brings us to WrestleMania. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very famous babyface match, a very rare babyface match for the time. Obviously, there's the famous example is Hogan and Warrior, but like, this, this is rare for the time, and you have a, a very memorable pre-match promo um, in which Roddy is full Roddy, talking about you know his 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 history of Brett, and Brett's completely unfazed by this, and then he like reaches out to his face, and Brett's like all serious, and Piper's just being a complete <laughs> dick without being a dick at all. He's incredible here. Why don't um, you keep your hands to yourself? Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Which Brett, interestingly enough, Brett kind of recreated this or tried to at least with Hennig. King of the Ring 93, right? Which is the next big babyface match that Brett works. So, you know, that oh, deal yeah, where, awesome. where it's like, my dad could beat your dad. It's actually really cool, that one, yeah. also. Um, it's a little bit of a formula there. Man, this is such a beautiful match. This thing's like 13 minutes long, and there is such depth to the story they tell. It's like, I honestly can't, I have no comparison. With this. I'm not saying it's the best wrestling match ever. But what I'm getting at, folks, is I can't think of a match with this runtime that achieves as much as this does and has the depth that this does without getting lost in its own bullshit at any point. It never feels like they're hitting you over the head with it or doing monologuing or yelling into you what the story is supposed to be. It's just perfect. It is, uh, it is just, every time I watch it, it blows me away. Bobby, had you seen Brett and Piper before? And what did you make of it on this latest watch? I had seen it before. Um, still, you know, just as good as the first time, kind of for the reasons that you outlined. Like, they um they tell such a nice story and like you know the ring bell part obviously is the one that sticks out to everyone where Piper just can't bring himself to do it um you know I I am curious as to what you guys think about the finish because I've seen people go kind of back and forth on it I think it's fine like people are mad it's not like as definitive as it could be I guess but like for a match like that I think it's a really good way to do it who's mad uh it was a lot of people in cage match but I mean other they than that yeah, I guess so. Man. This is one of the best finishes in wrestling history. I think so. It's a classic Brett finish. Every this is big one of Brett the best match. Finishes every ever. big. No, I agree. Every, I was surprised. Every big Brett match has like a finish like that. Mm-hmm. But not just that. The point. The whole point of the match is the finish. Yeah. yeah. Because the point is that Roddy, who is a villain at heart, has changed, mm-hmm. and he's okay with it. That's the point. Like. The seconds after the match are as important as the match because he makes the right decision and it yeah. costs him his belt, and he's okay with that because he's not that dude anymore. You know, that's the that's this is his last match as a full time wrestler. Basically, yeah. this is the end of Roddy. Is and it, the point of the match is once upon a time Roddy Piper would have used the ring bell and stayed champ, but that's not who he is anymore. Mm-hmm. And that may mean that he can't be the IC champ, but he's okay with it. He'll ride off into the sunset with his head held high. That's the point. You know, it's like. To me, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe it would have been cool if, if you know, Brett would have pinned him with a brain buster or something. But like, I think this achieved a lot more. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I, I've, yeah, I fucking love the finish. But nonetheless, the Oracle of Wrestling. What'd you make of the match, mate? Oh man, classic match, man. I forgot how good this was. This is fucking yeah. incredible. Um, Brett, you know, Brett sneaking in that blade job, um, bleeding everywhere, you know. Uh, his comeback is awesome, man. Like just the urgency he puts into his you know, so Brett, sure. Like Brett and Brett just he's such a brilliant wrestler because 
he's the perfect example of knowing how to do WWF style, but also making it make sense. He does hit the same moves, but he knows how to do it in a way where it makes sense. Mm -hmm. He does it in a way he knows how to change it up or he knows how to change the, 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 you know, the urgency to it. And, you know, he does that here. He's desperate, right? You know, he's just, he's, you know, he, he wants to beat his mentor and, and his friend, you know, he's, he's hurt. He's trying to win. It's, it's, I don't know, man, it's just great stuff. And the finish of course is, uh, last couple minutes with the ring bell, uh, drama. And then, uh, the finish is of course an absolutely tremendous finish. Um, Piper looking up and like the crowd kind of not responding to it at first. And so then good, man. think who, you know, shout out to, uh, to Finkel who, who always had the best, uh, you know, and new, and uh, new. You know, um, intercontinental yeah. champion, huge pop for that. Great post-match. Um, just, I don't know, man, this was, I, I, I even now, I you know, even after watching all that stuff, <clears throat> I mean, the uh the briscoe the whole thing and then and then with valentine this 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 still might be the best match of the six we watched yeah. this was this was pretty and awesome like again i want to note but obviously roddy rest was a lot after this and there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in wcw too, but like this is the end really this like in actual guy. truth this is the end of him yeah. as a full-time wrestler and like mm-hmm. what a way to finish that story our first match he wins with the with the court like you know the roller quarters and here he is doing doing the right thing even though it fucks him completely and like I saw an interview clip with Roddy where he talked about his match and he was very much doing his like half work, half shoot thing that he does. But he did now, like he, the way he described it was pretty neat where he said the reason they were booing so much when he had the ring bell was because like, it was almost like they were saying, don't ruin such a beautiful match. That's fucking, that's such an awesome idea. Man, this match is just, just what, just gorgeous pro wrestling match. Beautiful. Alex, I know you love this one. Uh, I'm sure you coached on everything we've said, but your thoughts, mate. Yeah, exactly. And this is mentioned at the beginning. WrestleMania 8 is the first vivid memories I have of watching WrestleMania. And uh, uh, my dad would always tape these off TV for me to have. And I I literally have no idea how many times I watched this match in particular when I was a little kid. It was easily the first match to me that um, nailed home that the any match can be great. It doesn't have to be the main event or like, you know, Hulk Hogan or something for it to be really important and matter. And, uh, and I remember for years after this, I think till WrestleMania nine, Brett never wore the all paint gear. again. Mm-hmm. So that in my mind, it always kind of stuck out for me, but yeah, the promo before keep your hands to yourself. Uh, she used to put on that baloney and you know, that it shows like what Piper was great at. Cause he's like annoying, and then endearing, and then you think he's crazy. It, yep. it nails that home, and I love just the one-upsmanship. And either guy's necessarily shitty about it, but just when Brett grabs him, I would have had you. Nuh-uh, not today. And Piper comes down to the ring, like, you know, he's a man on a mission. Heenan's on fire, not just in this match, but the show, when they have their stare down before the match. He's like, are they going to fight? Oh, no, just two ugly people staring at each other. That's nice. Uh, <laughs> You know, Brett Bret Hart is such a good wrestler. He does a move like wrong as part of his strategy to lure someone into something. And that's the whole he does that drop kick where he lands weird yes. and then lures Piper into the small package. And that's where Piper gets pissed off, which eventually leads to the, the cheap shot uppercut. 
the reactions that Piper gets, especially in the first act of this match, are just fucking. He doesn't. When you're over, you're over, man. And yeah. some of his punches, but that one in particular, that uppercut when he tells Brett the, the oldest trick in the book, he says your shoes untied, and Brett falls for it, and he punches him in the face. That splits the crowd right there. At, at that point, they, you know, there's a woman. When you watch matches as many times as I've seen this one, you kind of look for new things to find. And I found a woman that, like, when Brett started beating, was, you know, like cowering in her seat and covering her mouth. And there's on the hard opposite hard cam, there's guys like just the dudes that are diehard Piper fans that are getting mad at like every bit bit of offense Brett has. <laughs> One of them you can see he's probably like nine rows back when Piper has the belly standing on his chair going, Hit him, hit him. <laughs> yes, it's a very simple idea of a story of friends, and then how much does that matter to me? To am I gonna cheat to beat this guy or whatnot and you know what happens is piper shows remorse yeah but it doesn't immediately cost him and then the finish which is now you know this is you know brett brett was the guy that did two finishes that are now like uh, day one shit the one with davy at SummerSlam, and then this mm-hmm. one or like because this is how they beat austin the first time they wrestled right yeah mm-hmm. yeah and they uh, we mentioned earlier, Austin Rock used this spot in their match at 17. And um, to read Meltzer's contemporary uh, contemporary review of this match is really frustrating, especially <laughs> like he gave this three and a half stars. Yeah, and that's compared to like what he doles out now. And obviously, we've talked about Dave kind of dug that hole for himself, but. Um, you view like his old reviews as kind of more, you know, that's when Dave kind of knew what knew the score and uh, <laughs> not necessarily the case. The only thing in this that I kind of laugh at each time is um, when they do the double line and Piper's on top and Heenan's like arguing that it should be a He's pinning him. Yeah. yeah. And you can see one of the dudes I was talking about screaming at the Lego ref, like he's pinning him. Count him. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Lego ref, <laughs> dude, his hair. That's, I remember it looks like a, a Lego piece. I, I remember he watching does, the, even with his mustache too. The, yeah, that's that's OSW. They, they were the ones that called that out. But yeah, Brett is just unbelievable in this, and so is Piper. Um, they, uh, yeah, it's I, I don't. I don't really know how this could have been better for what it was and where both guys were at their respective careers. And um, the uh, just the, the the end of the match where Piper congratulates him and just everything that was like attempting to be accomplished by this match was accomplished. Absolutely. It's worth noting, you know, Brett is one of wrestling's great kind of minds in terms of putting matches together in details, but Brett has pretty happily said this was Piper's match. Um, it was the idea he had a similar idea in mind before they sat down and talked about it. They were on the exact same page, but he didn't have to really give any you know, his part of it wasn't even had to be said because Piper did it for him. He, he said this was Roddy's match, and Roddy, you know, kind of regularly would say to him it was his favorite match. Um, and also, yeah, just incredible. like absolutely, if you watch what Piper did at the all the WrestleMania preceding this for him to finally, it was like he finally lost. You know, he didn't yeah. wrestle at the three before this, yeah. but at the same time, like Hogan beat him and. Mm-hmm. Brett beats him here. It's a big deal. 
Absolutely. It, it really does feel like the end of the story. Um, it's, you know, both parts of this finish are, are repeated so much now. Like, Samoa Joe has lost to this finish like 400 times. So Shayna Baszler, <laughs> I think. Shayna oh, Baszler yeah. loses to this every time I watch the TV. Um, that's, oh, yeah. That's a, yeah. her match with Kyrie that I love. That's the finish of that. Because mm-hmm. Shayna gets her in the choke. Whenever, she has to do a complete 180 and reposition so she can be in front of the hard cam and go, ah, and then they, <laughs> they you know, people also they redo the like, you know, will he, won't he? I know that Punk and Hangman tried to do the, didn't they do it with the belt? They did the like, will he, will he hit him when it didn't work because no one understood what that meant because why was Hangman going to be a heel? He's not really Piper. The point I'm making is the finish works because of who is. The, the whole point of Roddy Piper is that he's an anti-hero. He's like this lovable rogue. So the, even if you love him, you know that he's like a villain at core. So when he has the bell, it's absolutely believable that he would just hit for over the head with it, right? That's the mm-hmm. point. And like, he doesn't. And that's, you know, that's why the place pops when he, when he, when he throws it away. So it's a finish that is often try, attempt, people attempt to recapture it without understanding why it worked, I think. Not the choke part. I mean, the, the, the bell part. Um, but yeah. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, this is, you know, kind of... Britt always talks glowingly about Piper and in terms of how much this match meant for him. And Look, in fairness, I mean, it's an example of why being selective of when you do jobs is important because when it comes time, it means something when you do one, right? And it certainly meant something for Britt. And this this uh, this shifted his career. I mean, he was already on a great track. Obviously, he beat Hennig the SummerSlam before and he'd already been IC champ. But this, this match was big for him. This, this transformed his trajectory, I think, so... Huge the, deal, classic match. Belt by the end of the year, um, absolutely. Yeah. Also worth calling out uh, because it was the subject of laughter earlier. Uh, you, you, I've watched this match fifty times. You don't see where Brett blades. You, you don't mm-hmm. see where you know he cuts around his eye or whatever. And if you've read his book, you know he says that him and Piper knew they were going to get some color before get some. Uh, it was going to pour hot beforehand. And then, but when they got to the back to cover it up, cause you couldn't blade, they had like a pull apart and gorilla. Like they acted like yes. you know, live rounds being traded. And then about 30 minutes later, Ric Flair's doing this shit right in front of the camera. <laughs> Absolutely. brother. Because the story is that Flair wanted to blade. They said, no way. <laughs> and, and the, the story, the story is they said he couldn't. And he said, you know, he, because Brett did, he thought he could go over it because he felt uh, he saw Brett do it because of course he did, you know, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, he was blade, bro. They could have said anything. To, Flair was blade in WrestleMania. He, yeah. There was no two ways about it. The funniest Flair Savage blade job will always be Starcade '95, though, which Oracle Line talks about on a historical Oracle at some point or another. <laughs> That's the one where he goes from fucking Atlanta to Portland with 30 seconds left in the match, right? <laughs> this match is just about to finish. He starts bleeding, and then it, the show goes off the air with him, like with the belt, just fucking ripped. <laughs> And, and you can tell they're like freaking out, like <laughs> incredible, incredible stuff. I believe the Oracle Wrestling froze there, um, but nonetheless, tremendous. It's answer got questions here as we wait for the return no, of the Oracle Wrestling. It's, it's, back uh, any moment now. Hmm. Yes, Eric Bischoff. Oh, back. oh yeah, I was I was thinking Bischoff. it was Bischoff, but Bischoff. it wasn't. It wasn't Bischoff. It was. Uh, I guess Tony Giovanni, who was like, or, or maybe Bischoff did call that show. No, it it it, it would have been Tony, Bobby, and uh, Dusty. Yeah, and Dusty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Good question here. Is Bob the only Grinner who wouldn't hit another Grinner with a title belt to win a match? It's a good question. Jack Crosby would hit. Jack Any Crosby don't give a shit. Yeah, anybody. I would hit yeah, around with a belt. Yeah. Wait, Bob, did you just threaten to fight Jack Crosby? Is that just I will. I'm mad at him right now. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Talking about how Cross and Theory should win this stupid new title. <laughs> oh, the new Thanks. title. That's going to be. I'm not. I'm not liking the direction they're yeah. going. Yeah, it's for the real workers, bro. Um, Made the ending WrestleMania so much worse. Don't have an ask. Where does this rank for you guys on an all-time IC title match list? I think this is top 10 for me. Yeah, this is actually the match that I'm most associated with that belt. And I have no nostalgia for it or anything like that. I just, to me, it's just like the quintessential. Because I am I pre- prefer this by quite a bit to Brett and Hennig. Um, I much prefer Brett and Perfect's 93 match anyway, which obviously isn't for the belt. But like... When I think quintessential yeah. title matches, this is where I actually go personally. But I don't yeah, Bob, both Joe and I prefer their 93 match over the 91. You would have known yeah. that if you would have tuned in for or shown up for the Bret Hart <laughs> Grin Grappler. True. Sorry. Uh, I, I already, you didn't. I'm sure you knew it already. But anyway, um, this is my number two IC title match. And we've done my number one with RBD and Christian's ladder match from Raw 2003. Oh, yeah. I will say that, like, oh, Gunter yeah, is about that. Yeah. Gunter now owns like eight of the top ten. If I'm being real, um, dude, that guy, match, he's incredible. Bro. I, yeah, I keep. I'm just thinking in my brain of like what I watched when I was younger, but yeah. obviously, yes, that that tri- I had an out of body experience in SoFi Stadium watching that triple threat, and dude, Gunther and his title defenses. We're, this guy already has an all-time catalog. I know we're not here to talk about him, but yeah. I don't think like, it's vent about this to some people. Like after that triple threat match, I'm like, this guy's been on the main roster for what a year and a half, and he already has like one of the best catalogs he's, of any wrestler they've ever had. He is genuinely one of the best wrestlers ever. Like yes. legitimately, he's one of the best wrestlers ever lived. And yes. I know that's like we we all do that thing with hyperbole, but like that's actually the case with him. And while I get what we all loved what he was before, but genuinely this current run is so great that no matter what happens from here, the rest of that dude's life he's going to be signing replica IC title belts. <laughs> I'm, it's that good because, like Alex, the way you're talking about what we just reviewed, I truly believe that in 20 years there will be people that grew up on fucking Gunter IC matches that will remember him that way, and that's awesome. You know, it's people that appreciate him before. Yeah. That's so cool. Absolutely. Absolutely, and yeah, not to get too much on him, but the whole thing when they started. Like his transformation to me yeah. was like coming from a place of like uh, how I imagine Shane Douglas fans felt ninety five. It's like oh they're gonna take away everything that makes him mm-hmm. special, and in a way they kind of did. But then he just his ability to adapt and he's doing the best shit he's ever done now, and still just being a big dude who beats the shit out of people. It's okay. uh, I had to check myself the other day because I was like just what you said. He's literally I was telling myself uh, like watching. Uh, talking to somebody, excuse me, that he's one of the best wrestlers that's ever lived. And I was like, is that true? But no, it really fucking is. Absolutely. He really is special. He'd actually be a great episode of this show one day. We might have to circle back to that. Um, <laughs> PCO. <laughs> other matches from this era. Uh, the Hennig match from the Garden the year before the Flair one. October 1990. No, I think it's December 1990. He's really yeah. strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we almost put that on here, but I think Alex, you said it right. We needed some flair, Laura, and I agree with your assessment. I think we did, but that one needs to be shout out. He has match for Sean on TV too, right? What's the, is that primetime wrestling? They have a match him and Sean. 
around this time. There's, there's one they have that's really strong. Um, he, and, he and Savage have a fun match where Piper just messes with Sherry the entire time. That tracks, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you can never accuse Sherry of not earning a nice fucking pay, right? She was always involved in those matches. Yeah. There's well, a flare, uh, there's a flare steamboat match when Sherry's with Rick, where like the whole match is just Sherry spots, and he's like, I guess, sure. <laughs> was that? Um, I'm trying. There's some Saturday Night's main event where Piper takes a broomstick like it's his dick and chases her around. Is that that one or something else? My God. Feels <laughs> like I, detail you'd remember, Oracle. Quite frankly, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I remember that. And I remember, um, oh, he was the person I figured out who Saddam Hussein was because when he he's bad mouthing Saddam Hussein, I asked my dad, "Who's that?" He's like, "Who's talking about Saddam Hussein on wrestling?" <laughs> uh, okay, Piper's not in it, but if you've never seen Virgil versus Ted DiBiase from the '91 SummerSlam, mm-hmm. Piper plays a very integral role in that and does an incredible job of the he's the commentator that's like cheering on Virgil and the crowd notices he's cheering on Virgil and he like to the point where he's standing up and like, yeah, get him. But does enough to like put more attention on the match, but not on himself. The it's a masterclass in like the rub or whatever phraseology you want to use. Absolutely. Okay. Let's put a, a bow on, on this, uh, this episode of green Grout before we look ahead to next month, final thoughts, Bob, I'll start with you. Final thoughts on Rowdy Roddy Piper, mate. Yeah, uh, this was awesome. And like I said, you know, just to kind of be exposed to all that stuff that I'd never seen before um, has me wanting to go back and watch more. I didn't realize how much of that like old school territory stuff was on the network. So it's definitely something I could dive deeper into. Um, The only match that I had to go outside the network for this was uh, the war to settle the score. And I mean, I didn't even actually have to. I just did. Um, And it just, I mean, I didn't know I didn't have to till right now, but you know. Either way, either way. Um, yeah, just just a great pick, man. And, like, we made the right choice. We could have done John Cena. We could have done Randy Orton. But this was much more fulfilling. That was nice. Put us over, too. Pat yeah. on the back. Good stuff, yeah. Bob. Um, yeah, no, I'm with you, actually. I, I think of all the green grapples we've done, Roddy is the one that I'm least, like, truly familiar with beyond. I'm obviously, I, I know a lot of Roddy's work, but I've not actually watched a lot of it closely. And this changed that a little bit. I'm with you, Bob. I'm going to try and do a bit more because I do thoroughly enjoy him. Um, and he's definitely someone who the sort of mythology, you know, the aura, the stories that come with Roddy are, are part of the charm to me. The, the, yeah. I mean, it's, it's silly, but the Hogan stuff is like, that's like half of my fandom is him not doing a job for Hogan. That's so fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm sorry. And you brought it up at the beginning too. Like the longest match you're going to get out of him is probably like 20 minutes or so. And that's <laughs> yeah. a rarity. So like if you yeah. If you're a type of person who doesn't want to go watch you know these hour long matches to really get into these people, he's a really good guy to uh, you know do that with. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you could just watch promo compilations, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that would do most of the work. Uh, that's what I think my main kind of. You know, if I was to sum up Roddy Piper, it's one of the most electric personalities and dynamic promos ever. I think that's the best way, and and a, and a superstar man. I think I still don't think he gets enough credit for just how big a star he was. Oracle. Final thoughts on Roddy? Uh, yeah, uh, his last, like, I mean, the Flair match at the Bachelor Beach is fun, but uh, Bobby pointed out we were discussing matches, and I'm I'm going to get to it soon enough on my uh, yeah. watch. But the Slambury 97 six-man is, just, like, the atmosphere 
uh, is, yeah. is great for it. And it's like uh, pretty much the only time that the Wolfpack actually work as heels uh, because they couldn't get away with working baby faces in Charlotte. So they had to work heels because they were not going to get cheered in Charlotte. So they actually like played their role to what they were supposed to. Uh, and like bump and like stooge for for uh, Flair Piper and Kevin Green and it rules, uh, and and the baby faces go over clean, and it's and 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 like it's just I don't know, it's it's one of the great uh, pay per view main events of the Nitro era, which there are few and far. Um, those there's like two of them, and that's like that's like one of two or three that are actually good pay per view main events during that era. Um, and uh, let's see. There is, so when I was a kid, they did the Piper Jericho feud, or they they teased it, and I badly wanted to see it. And in retrospect, I'm glad that we didn't see that match. But you know, at the yeah. time, you know, they did like the warring uh, segments or whatever, and teased it. Um, and then uh, there's a segment, a Piper's Pit that he has with Cena, that people kind of circle as like the last really good Piper segment. It was like late 2010, right around the dumb Nexus feud Cena did. But there's like a Piper's Pit, like before Survivor Series, and that's a, that's one on like folks on DVD VR always praise. Um, so that was kind of one of his last great segments. But uh, yeah, just you know, just just to add a few more tidbits there. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, the one when he comes back to WWE in 03, you know, the segment he does with Vince. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, where he's talking about how he hates both Vince and Hogan, and they do the Mister America's. Like, he's really good in that first little burst. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it doesn't stick, but that stuff's really fun. Um, Alex, final thoughts on on Roddy Piper, mate? Yeah, I wasn't sure if this was gonna if we were gonna do like a separate little mini discussion about WCW. So, as far as like any matches after that '92, mm-hmm. was it '94 or three when he had that god awful match with Lawler? 94. But aside from that, check out our Dustin Rhodes episode to hear me fucking thrown on about how great the Hollywood backlot brawl is. And um, Starcade 96 with Hogan is not a good match, but Piper's fantastic in that. When again, it's we say sometimes wrestling's not hard, but uh, Piper's what we're talking about. He's so like dramatic and his histrionics are so like heightened but he pulls them off and in that starcade 96 match he walks through the curtain doesn't break his gaze the entire time at hogan he just looks like he's going there to kill him and then he gets in the ring the crowd's chanting roddy roddy and then like he becomes aware of what's going on and then just kind of looks at the crowd and has this like evil smile on his face it's just tremendous work um, and then I don't really remember much he did when he came back in 03. I was at uh homecoming where he had a Piper's pit with um Foley, I think, and it was just kind of like, hey, Roddy Piper's here, that's fun. Oh, and it was at 25 also when he wrestled in a t shirt. Um, I will say he's his mania segment with Austin is a good time, that's yeah. a, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. So I guess we did get the Jericho match sent, huh? I guess if six years later. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, yeah. <laughs> All for Mickey Rourke to come in there and you know throw a little yeah. a one-two. Um <laughs> and then just finishing my recommendations. If you've ever watched Legends House, kind of yeah. kind of endearing. Uh and then him and Jim Duggan developed this bromance throughout it that's just completely 
completely ridiculous. And there's this really touching moment at the end when they say goodbye. And then uh, Piper and Flair were on Celebrity Wife Swap. And yes, my buddy Reed and I watched it and then immediately started it over and watched it again because, like, we were laughing so hard the whole, like, first run through <laughs> of it. I watched that live when it aired because we used to watch that with my dad. But it came on Monday before wrestling, didn't it? Yeah. And, like, you can tell like Ric Flair doesn't recognize half of his kid. Like one of them walks in and he's just like, Hey there, little guy. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he did a Vern impression. <laughs> no, Vern is like, well, Vern, you gotta, you gotta be like Ronald Reagan. You gotta start everything with well with Vern. Well, take 90%. Flair, like the only like Flair line I can really do that. I'm not yelling is that promo he had from, I think like Star K 94. was like, Right now, just very focused for theater and then steamboat. That's the only like calm flair that I can do. Oh, is, this, is that the one where he's in the limo with Gene? That's that's 93 Starcade. Very worried about my family. I don't oh, yeah. Yeah. Serious flair is di- very different. Very, very yeah. different. But there's a Piper. whole generation of fans who don't know serious flair now, which is kind of crazy, yeah. but nonetheless. Yeah, it's it's sad. Grin Grappler, Ric Flair, just promos coming. Serious Ric Flair. (laughs) 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 Uh, Probably done wrong. Must have done something right. (laughs) You know what, Ric Flair? uh, I don't know if Flair's on there, but Piper, back to Piper. Piper's on Revenge, uh, which is the greatest roster in the history of good wrestling video games. Showdown Legends of Wrestling has a better roster, but that game sucks. Uh, So. Piper's on both of them. Piper, like I said, is uh, <laughs> he's a star, and I think that's kind of lost on a lot of people, and is deluded with WWE's version of history, kind of like Austin is, also in a sense where like their version of history is Austin was no bigger than anybody else. It's just it was the 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 product at the time. And I feel that's kind of Piper, the way WWE presents history is that Piper was one of Hogan's foes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was Paul Orndorff, King Kong Bundy, Andre, et cetera, right. et cetera. Whereas Piper, I've come to that side of history that like the first WrestleMania, and like we talked about earlier, that rock and wrestling shit wouldn't have worked if Hogan didn't have as strong a foe as he did in Piper. And Piper was smart enough. I Someone said this recently, a wrestler, and I don't remember who, but they said losses don't matter. And it's just like, Dude, they do. I know every like fan and wrestler in today's climate have convinced themselves that losses don't matter, but they do. You you know how I know? Because whoever beats Roman Reigns is going to be a big fucking deal. And that's kind of like Piper, this Brett thing we just talked about. When Brett was the guy that pinned yeah. Piper, it was like, holy shit. So Piper was a star. He was good at maintaining his credibility in the wrestling industry. And... um. It was just a, the consummate worker. You would see him do interviews outside of wrestling, and you never knew like what was real and not with him because he could turn on the like, "Oh, I'm out of my character now," and is, and then actually getting bell to bell when he got in the ring, um, the like quality could vary because we we can't sit here like you know, <laughs> with Brett and say every match with the exception of, like two were great, but when the big match came. He knew what to do and more times than not really delivered all these matches we talked about here, you know, uh, the crowd loved. And then I would say at least half of them were fucking fantastic matches. Um, and also just 
when he actually did like media appearances and shit made uh he wasn't just a dumb wrestler he was sharp and could like huh. you know really when he was on bill maher and he did that thing where he pulled down his pants when bill maher said wrestling was fake and showed him like his hip scar his surgery hip mm-hmm. his surgery scar from hip surgery excuse me and then later in the episode he's like you couldn't do what i do and bill maher's like yeah well i don't drop my pants in front of other men and piper without missing a beat goes yeah then how'd you get the job like he he could always hold his own with people like in the the real media so i think um worthy of all his fame and props that he gets and maybe kind of underrated as a wrestler a, a very uh, a touching sentiment i will say alex that you you tweeting the what you what you, you know you tweeted in the midst of this show is an incredible play i i just you know i, I took a moment then you know said just promote the show for a moment i hit my timeline and i said there i see him jack Rousseau staring back at me because I, I feel like some people didn't believe me that actually happened. So I needed to make sure that there I'm was. <laughs> I'm glad you made it clear that was real. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, folks. There it is. Green Grattler, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Okay, let's look ahead to May here before we, we wrap. Um, I have six wrestlers listed in front of me. And I actually have a couple very contempt, very modern names. Which I just thought was worth putting on there. You know, I like to give Bob a lot of options after how violently got last time. So here's what we got. We have got um, currently red hot movie star Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Hmm. We have got someone who I think a lot of people wanted to be the episode last year and fell just short to Regal in Owen Hart. We have Big Van Vader. Hmm. Andre the Giant. And our two sort of contemporary options, if intrigued, I don't know. We have Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. Now, I put them on there. I love Roman's work. I don't think Kevin Owens intrigues me because I think there are like free clear acts you could do there. Um, and we could talk about Super Dragon, which I'm always down for. Factual. Different flavor. I think Kevin's certainly qualified for an episode at this point. How long he's been fucking good at this at this this deal. Roman, I'm not sure is necessary yet, but I feel like some of the older names are probably more interesting. Uh, the Vader sure. one. The Vader one is. We could do something yeah. really good with Vader. Yeah, I'm not Hold sure up. I'm ready to talk about Roman Reigns. Thousand days, fellas. Thousand days. <laughs> Brandon, brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, Vader, you're thinking, or is that the way you're leaning right now, Oracle Vader? Vader. Bobby, we have to steer, you know, you have to steer the ship on this one because otherwise you might not show up. True. Um, yeah, honestly, any of the five except for Roman, just because I don't think uh, there's really enough there. Well, there's enough there. We just did some. There's a lot. Yeah, but like, I'd be down for any of those five. Um, I think I would also probably lean Vader just because, like, I've seen the hits, but there'd be a couple things that I haven't seen that I know would pop me quite a bit. We'd be doing. Um, UDP. I, I definitely got some some shoot style Vader. We're going to be doing yeah. if we do it. Um, you know, rocks kind of like Roman, where we've kind of seen it all already. I don't know how much there is for us to really get into with that, but like, yeah, I would go with Vader. I think Vader, Alex, what are you thinking? I don't mean to split the pie here, but. That Owens talk was getting me pretty fired up because we could. I kind of think, yeah, do that 
my wonder the Super Dragon Excalibur versus Kevin Steen and El Generico CZW Cage of Death match we would have to do, and then we would need to find some deep cuts for his WWE shit. So I'm, I'm thinking we dip into the Shane McMahon catalog. Uh. <laughs> yeah, the one where he and Shane go 45 minutes in Hell in a Cell. Yeah, let's do that one. I oh Jesus. Kevin's Vader. interesting, man. He really is. I don't know. I mean, Vader's awesome, but like, so my thought process on this is, this is it, is that Vader is going to come up in future acts, and I don't know how often Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen will be coming up. That's, and yeah. That we do. Because yeah. last month we did Sting Vader. We've done mm-hmm. Vader and Dustin before, you know? And it's yeah. like, so we'll when we do, Kevin, <laughs> when we do Nobuhiko Takata, Vader will come up again. <laughs> There we go. That yeah, I guess we rules. did. Uh, yeah, it's we, amazing. We did Kevin on the Briscoes episode. My apologies. We did do Kevin on that. I don't know. Kevin is um. God, man, there's certainly enough depth to his catalog at this point. Good lord, he just made him at the last two WrestleManias. True. Yeah. I think we. I think we rolled the dice, Alex. I'm. I'm firmly on this Kevin Owens deal. You, I think like you're with me on this, right? Yeah, and then Andre immediately. My thought was, didn't we already do Andre? But it's just he's come up so many times yeah, on other exactly. episodes. Yeah, but, yeah. I think um, I could assist or at least provide suggestions that we could build an interesting three-part act with Kevin Steen slash Owens. Yeah, okay. I'm. I'm. I'm not too terribly familiar with his older stuff. Um, most a lot of it I've seen, I've not cared for, but I'm. Oh. I'm willing You're- to do. It. I mean, like. Uh, <laughs> Again, I've not seen very much of it. I, I think I saw a couple of matches from like 2012 Ring of Honor, which is a bad sample size. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So just knowing Devin's style of wrestling, I've already got a few that he's going to have to watch now. But... I think he's going to roll. Yeah. Bob, are you on board or are you not going to show up for this one? No, it's fine with me. You sure? I sound sure like you, it was fun. You know, I'm a big Owens guy. I got the shirt, I got the action figure. I got, the, oh, got the shirt. I got the action figure. Oh, you know, I like a wrestler, man. I have both yeah. of those things. There you go, Hon- dude. Honestly, what we could do is pre-Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor, and then WWE. We could, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, because okay. yeah. originally when I fall back, I was thinking we could do pre-WWE because to me, his WWE run has two halves. It's like Prize Fighter, Cool Guy Kev, and then it, like where he's basically Mick Foley now is really what he is now. But I actually prefer if we just do WWE as one lump and, and looking at the rest of the stuff. Um, yeah. All right. There you go, folks. Kevin Owens. Up next, Kevin Steen. Wherever you want to name that title. That. It's probably going to be Kevin Owens. Don't get mad at me when it's Kevin Owens. Okay, that's what he is now, folks. I'm sorry. Move on. It's what it is. Nonetheless, let's do some plugs. Eddie with a Y. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's do some plugs and promotions. Um Bobby, what do you got, mate? Anything to push? Um, no, not really. We'll do a Fed Dead at some point, I think. Maybe after Backlash now is the plan. Uh, it's, yeah. Other than that, no, I don't know what we have coming up. It's a new world for us. so It's kind of cool. It is, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Oracle of Wrestling, anything for yourself, mate? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I, might, I'm, I might bug you some time in May for a uh, historical Oracle. Let's do it. Yeah, it's fine. It works for me. Um, I'm going to be keeping the uh, historical oracle alive in some form or fashion for sure, even if it's just monthly entries, right? Mm-hmm. Keep it moving. Mm-hmm. 
Alex, what's happening in the land of the contrarians, mate? Uh, we just, uh, not yet, but uh, this Friday we'll be launching part one of our Lindsay Lohan four-part career retrospective uh, covering Freaky Friday, Mean Girls, and um, Herbie Fully Loaded, uh, which was an interesting place for her to go after Mean Girls, considering the absolute phenomenon that was but uh that we just did uh, one of our noirs in the long goodbye the elliot gould movie from the early 70s and uh writers of justice which is a fucking fantastic danish movie with mads mickelson if you've never seen it uh, and you can find all that at we are the contrarians.com at contrarian prime on twitter youtube and instagram facebook.com slash contrarian prime and uh the contrarians and any of your podcatchers always a pleasure um, yeah appreciate you letting uh, me come on and plug our stuff and yeah if we're uh if it's going to be intermittent come august i am going to ask that we coordinate a grin along for the 10th anniversary of SummerSlam 2013 because that is my favorite wrestling show of all time that's a good call we also have to do that uh the show that you were at the impact zone where it called fire oh hard <laughs> justice 2006 i think that's on youtube so yeah that'd be a good one what month was that so we can anniversary it. Uh, June or July. All right, we'll look into that, folks. There's gonna be a lot of grin along stuff because it's more, you know, kind of stuff we can do loosely and, and hop on and talk shop. So, absolutely, stuff to look forward to. Lesnar and Punk. Don't watch that anytime. That's one of the great matches ever. I really believe that. But we'll uh, we'll cross that bridge on the Sam Punk grin grapple that's coming soon. Um, folks, here's the deal. I'll be on WrestlePurious on Thursday to review uh, Dynamite. I guess sure. And uh, after that, I'm going to go to Paris, France to watch Cody Rhodes wrestle Finn Balor. The Good Brothers have been unbooked from that show. Oh. Which is the most disgusting promotional tactic of the year thus far, but we'll leave that there. But nonetheless, I'll be there. Uh, and I may return with a stream of some sort doing like an informal review of the Baron Corbin versus uh, Rick Boogs match. I believe I'm getting treated to on that one. So um, also, I think Dominic is working Dexter Loomis, I think. That uh, that Corbs boobs match. You're looking at a 20 minute draw right there, brother. Look, man. <laughs> Honestly, I'm enough of a sicko that would pop me just out of being there for it. You know, be, I'm seeing the last night of the house show tour. That's always a treat because oh. guys have either stopped caring or have locked their match into a point where it's actually good. <laughs> so, hey, we'll that, see. <laughs> those are for y'all as fun as I've only been to one of them here, but the last TV taping before the international tour. Where like the dark main for a SmackDown taping I went to is Alberto Del Rio versus Dolph Ziggler in a no holds barred match that went four minutes and like it was done and they were they you know they were breaking down the set as people were still leaving. Tremendous. Um, so you know that's late this week and then after that I'm going to try and kind of reset and we'll figure out where we're at with the grin. Um, there's going to be the grappler obviously. Oracle, I'm going to do historical Oracle. There may be a, a kind of old school grin along at some point or even a modern one. I don't know yet going to keep our eyes on this new japan show that mercedes is working but this will be the last green content for at least a week i would say um so stay locked in at late night green uh, i'll try and update the discord on occasion when we're doing stuff too but uh yeah we'll let it play out basically is the point i will say i've got written reviews of all of the matches we covered here today going up on my little uh blog gimmick which i'm just trying to stay active with and keep writing rap match reviews and popping myself so if you're into that kind of thing that'll be up tomorrow i'll post some links on the twitter but uh but yeah, stick with us. We hope everyone enjoyed this. It's been a hell of a time. We always have a blast with Green Grapper, and we look forward to next month. Kevin Owens, 
Um, the show that may put Oracle in a place with Bob where he just doesn't show up sometimes, we'll see. Could, could, could change, but could be a two-man show. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But nonetheless, keep grinning, folks. All hell and enjoy this outro. <laughs>